Hey Marvelites, Great Lake Avengers, Steve Raker, Kevin Whirlwind X, and Andrew the L.A. Rabbit here via the comic book bunker. Coming at you for another episode of Marvel Noise. It's episode 275. So what am I, like Lake Ontario? <laughs> Great Lakes. You're, you've got a lot of... I know, I know. The, the lightning rods. You've got a few lakes between you. There's several Great Lakes between you and I. <laughs> are the GLX? I've been looking. <laughs> so are we covering the uh, 275th issue of Millie the Model on this one, Steve? Yeah, boy. Uh, thank goodness we only I do those at the 50s. That, but Steve was like, no, only every 50 issues we do that. I'm like, okay. Yep, there's not enough uh, very special issues at the 25 and 75 quarter mark. I pled my case. Just so the listeners know, I pled my case. Because I looked up a few, and they were pretty hot. But mm-hmm. Steve, Steve set me straight. Andrew, glad you're back. Glad that you've survived having your consciousness being transferred into the Deathlock cyborg. I, I, I emerged from the cocoon. I am now Photon. <laughs> <laughs> no. In the Mo'ohatmu, that would be like Photon with a little Roman numeral like 23 next to it. No, we're and putting maybe... two umlauts over the O. That's how we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it image style. It's not PH. It might be an F in there, too. Well, it's summertime, guys, so it's kind of that time of year where it's kind of getting harder to produce uh, full features and stuff, and we're getting a lot of kind of recent read segments that are going to be coming at you and have been. Andrew, you're going to San Diego Comic-Con this coming week, and I'm about to go camping at the end of the month for a week and then go to Boston and then go to the beach for a week and then go to Baltimore. Baltimore's coming, Kevin. Hope you're scary. Hope you're getting your ducks in a row. Uh, oh. so <laughs> I don't know. There'll be a last-minute detour to Fan Expo, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Uh-oh. That doesn't sound good. But in any case, we do want to get up to that next cage feature and have the Thunderbolts 100 for you before the summer's over. So we'll do our best to be diligent on those fronts. And also, we haven't said it in years now because Andrew, Kevin, and I have kind of taken over the show. But Marvel Noise, we do accept submissions. Want to make some noise? You got a segment in mind? Send us a link. Shoot us up on, hit us up on Twitter at Marvel Noise, or I'm at Steve Raker. Kevin's at WWXKev, and Andrew's at LA underscore Rabbit One, or over on the <laughs> Facebook page. That's how we all got started. Twitter handle is going to haunt me forever, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I need to add some more exclamation points and somehow spaces it, and periods. It rolls off the tongue now, though, somehow. But Mar- Marvel Noise, when it started out, was more like a half-hour weekly show that was basically Pat Loika driving on the way to the comic store reading his pickup list <laughs> and David talking about some of his recent reads. And eventually, David's work schedule got such that he put out a clarion call for submissions and for people to contribute and contribute we did and over the years we've had a variety of different running segments and running contributors who have contributed uh, various uh, bits at various times and and, until we kind of crowded everybody out (laughs) so to think that the cream rises to the top steve i always drag those australians back kicking and screaming every so often it's true it's a long way to drag though yes and you know how I got my start? Previews. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Who else but to go through every page of the previews with? 
<laughs> it seems a good idea at the time, but like ideas, you know, sometimes after you're like, what were you thinking? Stay true, tuned, true believers, for after the Thunderbolt schedule, and we'll go over some of those Marvel Now books that we've seen solicited. Hey, this past weekend I was at a water park in middle New York, upstate to the downstaters, but downstate to us upstaters, in the Catskill region at the Zoom Flume water park there was Captain America made an appearance. So, I, And I had my uh, Marvel swim trunks on, and I even had my Captain America gibbet in my Crocs, <laughs> uh, which he appreciated. And he was a very friendly cap, and it was the first time I had uh, in years and years seen a official Marvel uh, you know, character appearance where they hand out the little uh, superhero pledge card and stuff like that. And the DJ was running Captain America trivia at various times, had some good questions like what Captain America's first team was for the invaders and mm. um, whether my son won a mug for knowing that Cap's shield wasn't always round. Then it was funny, though, and the reason I bring it up, other than the fact that this Cap deserved a nod for being such a friendly guy, they the trivi- one trivia question was about Captain America's creators. And the DJ says, I'll accept three different names. And I'm like, what? <laughs> three? <laughs> yep, yeah, and, then, and then someone went up and said, and he's like, right, yep, right, J- Joe Simon. That was one of the three, and I also would accept the Jack Kirby or Stan Lee. I was like, no! Oh, oh no! <laughs> but the worst, the worst was... He says, uh, "What wh- kind of revisionist history is going on in the world?" The, the, the worst was the guy says, "Who Captain America's uh, first sidekick was?" And people were like, "Bucky," and he says, "No, no, no, no." After Bucky, Bucky was with him at the start. Mm-hmm, not really, but Bucky was <laughs> Bucky was with him at the start, <laughs> and then uh, this fellow. Um, and I'm thinking. You know, the whole point of the Falcon was that he wasn't a sidekick, right? That they were equals, and it was the 70s, oh. and, right? Um, and no one guesses it, and he says, Oh, no, it, well, it was the eagle. The eagle. <laughs> wow. I'm like, the eagle? Oh, my God. Is that like some Golden Age character? Right? So <laughs> later in the day, when we're leaving the park and the DJ's closing down, I walked up to him, and I said, Oh, thanks, that was fun. Uh, and then mentioned to him, uh, The eagle? You know, I was like, did you mean the Falcon? And he's like, no, 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 before the Falcon. I'm like, there's no eagle. And he's like, no, no, there was. I'm like, there's no eagle. And he's like, there was. Look it up. And I'm like, you know, when someone says look it up, it's the old, and I'll be long gone when you do and see that you're totally right (laughs) and I'm wrong, right? And I was like, dude, I don't have to to look it up. Come on. Walked away. And I told the story to my, my kiddo. And uh, he wanted to look it up when we got home just to make sure. And, of course, there's no eagle that was one of Captain America's sidekicks as a, uh, someone could revise that now, though, I'm sure. You know, this fits perfectly because, uh, you know, with the way things are going in Cap's own title, uh, you know, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. He needs an eagle sidekick. Spoiler. <laughs> Well, that was the funny thing when I posted a picture of me on Twitter with Cap. <laughs> Someone wrote, Doc, he's a Hydra agent. Watch out. <laughs> Captain America's trusty shield. All those who oppose his shield must yield. Oh, you guys are missing the a syllable. 
You're missing the syllable that makes the whole medley. You each did on each of your stanzas, too. No one's asking us to sing. When he's led to a fight and a duel is due, and the red and the white and the blue will come through. All right, Thunderbolts. This train just do that here? Rolling. We do. We're back. <laughs> We're totally in the Marvel Universe now. The new Avengers are showing up with the Century and Luke Cage and Spider-Man. You know you're in the Marvel Universe. That's, well, 2005. You act like Thunderbolts goes 8 to 10 issues without there being an Avengers crossover. Oh, well, when you don't get an Avengers crossover, you get uh, House of M, and we'd rather avoid that. Hey, they couldn't even keep the Avengers out of their novelization, for criminy's sake. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tradition. for the of the off chance that this is someone's first podcast, we're back with our Thunderbolt segment. This is the segment where we've been covering the original Thunderbolts title, the breakout hit from the last century. And we're all the way up. The title has been morphed into the new Thunderbolts era, Kevin's favorite era of the title. Oh, really? And we're on the dual numbering system, so our, we last left off with 12 slash 93. We're looking to jump into... New Thunderbolts, number 13, slash 94. Kevin, what's our lineup? First, I'll mention to the listeners that you can also get the Thunderbolts on Tumblr. At Tumblrbolts? Tumblrbolts.tumblr.com. Wait, what was that? What was that address? <laughs> don't make me do it again. <laughs> but you and Andrew did it at the same time, and I don't think either of you got it right. <laughs> Tell us what it is, Steve. It's... Tumblr bolts? <laughs> <laughs> now, it, we went around for so long trying to come up with what the name of the Tumblr should be. Tumblr bolts, right? Yes. There you go. It's Tumblr, but with an A, with, you know, the TH, which makes it confusing. Oh, anyhow, to get this train wreck going, our Thunderbolts lineup is Songbird, Melissa, Leader. Projects Solid Sound, Photon, Janice Vell, Totally Cosmic, also trying to access that wavelength, but often gets a busy signal. <laughs> Joystick, Janice, Action Junkie, Atlas, Eric, Big Man in America, Radioactive Man, Radioactive Powers, Speed Demon, James, Speedster, and our ex-Thunderbolts, Mac 4, Abe, Exileader, Flies, Armored Suit, Blizzard, Donald, Freezes Things. And um, we're looking at um, Fabian and uh, Tom Grummet on our duties. Yep. Oh, the other thing about 13 and 14 is I believe they both came out on the same month. Or at least that's what 2005 Kevin leads leads me to believe. I trust in 2005, Kevin. Yeah, he's got good instincts. He wasn't broken by the uh, system yet. I'm uh, following along on uh, Marvel Unlimited, so the credits are always... I mean, they're there somewhere, but when you go from issue to issue, sometimes they don't have them, which is a minor pet peeve. I like the feature where you can go to the next issue, but they should always have like the credits right there. And you know what? When they have the credits in the in the index, sort of when you're kind of before you click into the issue itself, they're often wrong. If there's a fill-in artist, they usually just have the artist from the run. Uh, for instance, in, there's, uh, in these issues where Rick Leonardi steps in, they just keep saying it's Tom Grummet. So yeah. If you're going to not do it accurately in text somewhere else on the web page or in the app, then just leave the written credits 
in the issue. It's part of the art form. It's part of the splash page composition. It's part of comics. Leave it in there. So the cover has one of those classic lineups of two teams running against each other about to fight. You guys get that um, awesome recap page. That's not really a recap page, though, right? Where it's like some kind of memo no. being nope. typed out from person to person? No, I am also reading on the Marvel Unlimited, so I, uh, there's nothing extra. Because you I miss know. like these emails or memos or whatever being sent around, and it's like, we can't control these new uh, Avengers. Uh, they might be dangerous. Uh, we should send the Thunderbolts against them, and then they give you... like another one, and it's like, yeah, the Thunderbolts lineup has been changing and all this stuff. So it's like recap, but also something that could have been sent between characters. Well, I don't trust the new Avengers. Spider-Man's with them. They, they can't yeah. be up to any good. And it's funny because <laughs> you see, <laughs> it, like, it's to Dallas, and it's like from Henry Peter Garage, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like the Avengers come back, they have, like, no charter, Nothing, and he's like, "This isn't good. I got to do something about this. I'm sending out an angry email." I'm not super thrilled with this uh, Luke Cage uh, outfit either. Like Hat. no, no big shirt, no chain belt, no tiara. Yep, it's Luke Cage for a new time. It was funny yes. though. After reading these, I flipped over to New Avengers, which is like Finch is on the artwork, and it's way different, let me tell you. <laughs> it just felt like they're from two different eras almost. But oh, okay. uh, This starts out with uh, our Thunderbolts fighting the lady Dr. Spectrum, who is basically um, Marvel's knockoff Green Lantern, but rainbow-colored. She's got all the rings. You know what I agree with uh, Melissa here? When... Uh... Photon's going all about, I'm trying to access the wavelength, and like Melissa's just like, save it. And I'm like, yes! Save that. <laughs> we don't need to hear that every issue where he's trying to access some stuff and he's seeing the past and the future. Well, I got some bad news for you, Kevin. You may want to skip some of the pages we got coming up, because unfortunately <sighs> we're going to get a lot of that. But uh, her power just blinks out on her. And so I don't know that the Thunderbolts win so much as she loses. And um, she has to cover that um, Abe is out of the out of the out of the band, and same with Blizzard, as you set up in our wonderful thing. And that cuts smash cut to heavy blue overtones of an ominous meeting of Dallas Reardon, a really unusual. Yeah, this uh, Carol Danvers. I don't this this characterization of her seems weird, especially because we've seen her before being Abe's parole officer. Yeah. And it seemed like a weird, like, now she's some high-level muckety-muck, but she's also his parole officer. And then, obviously, uh, Gyrek, who's, like, just a classic bad bureaucrat out of, out of an 80s movie or out of yeah. the 70s Avengers, either way. Yeah, it's it's so weird, too, because this is just before, like, her modern revitalization. So some of these characters, this is weird seeing them interact. Like, I don't remember certain details. Like, I remember... Carol Danvers from, like, the music Avengers. And then I remember her after, like, House of M having a title, but I guess I don't really remember all her, like, supporting roles in between. Co-chairperson well, of the Department of Superhuman Affairs or whatever. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the gist of it is, is 
as you said in that opening memo, um, Gyrick, who's never really liked these superhero groups, they want to send the new Avengers a message by having the Thunderbolts beat them up, which seems like I like the idea conceptually. I just feel like in what league do 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 the Thunderbolts beat the Avengers? <laughs> well, that was the point of this that these are no Avengers. These are Avengers in name only. It's Spider-Man. I mean, Wolverine's practically on the team. Well, it's not the Avengers, Steve. It's the new Avengers. This isn't the actual Avengers. And the new Thunderbolts. So there's going to be a new dynamic and a new team is going to come out on top. It's not all new. It's just new. (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, uh, Dallas is the one they send. She's still around? Well, apparently we have other issues to work out between Atlas and Dallas, so yeah, she's sticking around. But apparently when the government can't control something, they get upset about it and have to do something about it. Which explains why S.H.I.E.L.D. goes after all these superheroes and like doesn't like the mutants and all that stuff now. It's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. Well, you know, we need to have some kind of closure because they added this weird joystick character who's powers would have mimicked the character that Dallas turned into. And I'm not still not sure why they just scratched that. I guess they didn't want Atlas having a girlfriend, but they have some sort of reconciliation. But I don't really understand. I still don't understand. I guess she says she left because she couldn't handle the intimacy. And then somehow when they broke up, he took the energy back or she lost. I don't... It, I'm... I feel it's an unsatisfying... Like, I like that there's this emotional closure we're supposed to get, but I just felt as confused afterwards as before. She was Citizen V, she was the Crimson Cowl, she was the big bubblegum Atlas-y thing, she was the ninja joystick-ish character. I just don't get this character. Yeah, I just don't get this character's (laughs) journey at all. Or It's just... It's not an evolution. It's not a... uh, It's just... It's terrible. All right, go on. (laughs) (laughs) She was also Oracle. Did you like that whole vibe with... Did it provide you anything, the Atlas and Dallas scene? Only in the sense that I hope that it's it's finally going to be the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they... um, uh, So they agree to take the deal. And I thought they could have, they tried this technique where they're like, they show the Thunderbolts and their plan as it's kind of a panel before it happens. Like, we're going to send the signal. We're going to trap them this way. We're going to trap them that way. Which I thought was good in theory, but I didn't think it was particularly well executed. But we'll get to that as it happened. In the interim, Mach 4 runs into the Fixer. And the Fixer's like, you're in trouble. We need to team up. So that's the uh, running, uh, traditional Thunderbolt style, that's our running story, is the, what's going on with Abe and the Fixer and all that? Yeah. Now, the one thing that made me super happy to see is the Avengers send their Quinjet to face the Red Ronin. Oh. The giant I... the giant robot out of, out of not Micronauts, what were those, Shogun Warriors? What were those toys from the 70s? That w- It was the, the Shogun Warriors, but that's not where Red Ronin's from. He was, although he was that's of it. that era, he was in the Avengers. Was, right, right, but clearly he's a knockoff off that yeah, toy yeah, yeah. line. Like, someone saying that, hey, kids love these giant 
Japanese robot. Yeah, he's a big, he's a mix of like Mazinger and uh, Radine, you know. No, those two pages made me happy. Seeing the fixer again, and then seeing a giant robot. And Red Ronan had the little kid who piloted it and everything. I mean, how many times have we seen that since? In various ways, and done beautifully, whether it was Jeff Darrow doing it, or you know, the Iron Giant movie, and all that stuff. Good old big robots and little kids. Big Hero 6? <laughs> Not a big enough robot. Oh, okay. Well, you know, or uh, the, the first version of that is the Little kid and the giant dinosaur, devil dinosaur and moon boy. They're going to say Pete's dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, suddenly, the obviously, it was just a, something to move them out to, out to a secluded area because no one can be, you know, they don't want any cat, any civilians. Yeah, they're at Sandy Hook, which, you know, in light of the big uh, storm that happened there, I was like, whoa, this is way before the big storm. Yeah, like how prescient in a way. But Red Rona was never there. Just disappears. That was disappointing, but at least we got the nice uh, double-page spread shot of him. Yeah, they're still doing those double pages for the intro and then later on with something. And Radioactive Man is the, is the one that really... He's like, we shouldn't be doing this. What are we doing? And they always have to coax him to go along with whatever the scheme is. And the scheme is to set them up to be flying in on their Quinjet, the Avengers, to fly to a certain spot where then Eric Atlas can just throw a left-handed punch right through the Quinjet and just rip it to shreds, and hopefully everyone else can get out all right. And then he steps on things. I actually kind of like that. He keeps on doing that. (laughs) And he catches Cage, of everyone. Of everyone for Power Man, the former Power Man to catch is the other former Power Man. Well, they gotta have. They even reference that classic issue yeah. that we've talked about, where they fight over the name. We haven't really talked. We've only mentioned it. We haven't gotten to it yet. That'll be in the next to- the next series of Luke Cage stories that we do, right? Yes, but we talked about it actually on our Thunderbolts coverage. I don't know if maybe you weren't in that one, but yeah, we mentioned the crossover with the name, the fun, the fun name bit. Yeah, I was there. I don't know if I was in it into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know but, what you guys um, are missing, though, on the ads front? The hottest Fantastic Four movie costumes are in stores now. Halloween 2005. Oh and it shows a kid flaming on. <laughs> oh, boy. So that is kind of strange. Like, you get this weird foam, you know, fire hair, and then they have some effects behind them to show that like, there's all this flame. Otherwise, his costume kind of looks like that red outfit he wore. <laughs> you know, back in the day. Oh boy! But then, for some reason, they give up. The kid is just wearing like black boots. And I'm like, that doesn't match. Asbestos. I guess so. Flameproof boots. Well, you know what also um, is good? They're advertising Frank- Franklin Richards, son of a genius. Love that series. I did too, and so did my kiddo. Anyways, back to your Thunderbolts action. Uh, so they're having, um, and like I said, they're trying to explain how they're using strategy to defeat them. And the Avengers, though, one for unlike the last appearance, are actually like keep asking, like, "Are you guys being controlled? Is there a problem? Is there some way we can help you?" Which I much preferred to their Captain America being a huge jerk <laughs> example. Well, and it's also and giving can... it's giving the Thunderbolts the step on them that they need, and they really planned yes. it out. Uh, M- Melissa has shown that now with her as the leader, that they're like a crack 
fighting unit that actually has given some thought to fighting as a team. And they they have been a team longer than these new Avengers, and it shows. And then contemporaneously with that, they send Joystick in to break into the Avengers mansion. And unfortunately, when she thought it was going to be empty, well, she was secretly hoping it wasn't. Spider-Woman's there. This I like. So that was a face-off. And then it ends with a a shocking, almost out-of-the-movie-esque ending. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. It's got uh, Ant-Man, apparently. But yeah, it was a fun, like, it seemed like Joystick and Spider-Woman were a good matchup. I think all the matchups are pretty awesome, like Iron Man versus Radioactive Man, and they make, uh, all these fights, they pretty much make, like, allusions to, like, other fights, or we fought before, or we're both boring, or something like that. Well, don't stop now. Let's get into issue number 14 slash 95. Oh, it doesn't look like things went well for uh, the Avengers. Radioactive Man is holding Tony Stark's helmet on the cover. Well, maybe he's just trying to help him fix it. But yeah, Spider-Man's mask is torn and Cap Shield is busted. And uh, it opens up with a big splash of them and obviously Photon has to take on Sentry. And it feels like the Sentry, like at some point, was taking on the entire Marvel Universe, yet this dud of a character um, seems to be able to defeat him pretty pretty handily. Well, it just uh, and all the other... He just shunts him to another place far away. Yeah. Because he has too much power. I like how Spider-Man's fighting Speed Demon, too. I'm like, that takes me back. Yeah. Uh, but they keep mentioning that this uh, Speed Demon is powered up. He's faster than he can run before, which is going to roll into the next arc, but it's key. Because, I don't, I don't know. This Look, anybody can be anybody else, but it just seemed like this was a pretty improbable victory. And I don't know. I don't. Like I said, anyone can beat anyone else, but I don't want to pull too hard on that thread of like, what's going on here? How does this work? What's the what's the know. reasoning behind it? I think they're 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 selling it. Like there's they planned all these things. They know the Avengers, or at least some of the Avengers, are going to hold back. It's like when Hawkeye wanted the Thunderbolts to beat the Hulk. He's like, okay, we got all these plans. This is what we're going to do. So they have a reasonable chance of success. Also, for again, remember what the new Avengers was. It was the total disassembling of the Avengers, right? And then th- that's what came after that. And the whole angle of that series was to look at the Avengers as, uh, I don't want to say depowered, because it still had all these heavy hitters on it, but the kind of the level, it was more of a street, level threat that they were dealing with in a lot of ways, the ninjas and uh, etc jailbreaks that, I mean we they were looking at a less encompassing a less all powerful Avengers team and they were trying to make them have that status throughout the Marvel Universe so a team like the Thunderbolts comes along and they want them to get uh uh, it's, to be outclassed, they—that uh, was kind of this whole thing. Have the Avengers be a group that can be outclassed rather than always on top of their game and always the ones who come in and save the day. Oh, yes, it just seemed like they got some pretty good. Generally speaking, Spider-Man's pretty good, I would say. Cap's usually pretty good. 
Uh, Luke Cage is pretty good. I guess the Sentry is the one I don't know. They seem well, they, to make him so powerful. They're not fighting as a team, be. though. Yeah, and Luke Cage is, like, thrown away. He's not in the fight. They, they, they basically, it's like the, if it was a movie, like, that would be Cyclops. Okay, you're gone for, like, half the movie. Hmm. And and then uh, Spider-Woman's not there, so. Well, uh, it worked for you guys. I was just going to say I thought it was pretty weak. I don't know. I thought, like, Spider-Man's really losing to Speed Demon, like, really? Like, how many times did he beat the entire Sinister Six? And, like, aren't they at least the equivalent of them? Yeah, but, there's no, there's uh, no that... buildings to swing on, though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he tries to swing on Atlas, doesn't work out so well. The Avengers uh, had it coming. Spider-Woman Spider uh, more than holds her own against Joystick and beats the stuffing out of her. But Joystick only has to wait the half hour for Pym's microparticles to be spread throughout the... Uh, Throughout the, their their headquarters, she was never there at the headquarters to steal anything or to beat anyone. She was just there to to last for a half hour while the nanobots spread about. And Although I can't imagine she wanted to stand and get punched in the face repeatedly for <laughs> half hour. Yeah, but okay. I wouldn't have mind a few more pages of it. All I could think of, especially with the wonderful coloring in this issue, with the shading tones that are used, is how great Spider-Woman's costume is. Yeah. I love that oh, costume. Awesome. I love those colors. I love yellow and red against each other like that. That really pops. A little bit of... I like the white. I like the eyes, too, that you can't see, like the big eyes. And Yeah, it's all... And the, she's got the webbing armpit jobbers, fresh from classic Spider-Man. You but, know what uh, we have to do, though, Andrew? We have to do another no. classic jump cut. Yes, because we got to pick up our running thread, which is who's the other loser from the Thunderbolts? Uh, Donnie, the Blizzard. And he's going to get recruited by our other two misfits. So what's going on here, Kevin? Mm. we got three ex-Thunderbolts getting together. I'm going to say this is another Thunderbolts team, because if there's anything this book loves, it's having two teams in the book. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> are you sure? It's, are you sure it's not the new redeemers that we're getting out of this? <laughs> oh, it could be. Fixer's always uh, rounding up his group. So basically, like you say, they shunt uh, they shunt um, uh, Sentry away. He's the one that um, like I said, I I'm not super. I read some of the comics. I never got a good handle on him, but I thought he was supposed to be fairly powerful and crazy. Was his stick? But eh, yeah, he's gone now. And I don't think anybody's exactly crying about it. He was Superman and <laughs> Shazam. Except a lot more yeah. crying. Yep. Like Shazam. They effectively knock them all out, and then Luke Cage gets back there. And Melissa's like, uh, we're done. Tell Captain America, tell him all this is a warning. We can do it again anytime we order to or anytime we want to. And I'm like, wow, she just threatens Luke Cage, and he takes it like a something that rhymes with witch. Speaking of, I, I stole that right from Spider-Woman. He uses that dialogue on the next page. And that's where we see, like, Joystick's eye is swollen shut and her lips bleeding and everything, but she made her half hour, and then she jumps off the side. Spider-Woman's like, don't kill yourself, and that's when she's getting picked up by Melissa and the rest of the team flying off. And that's when Jess is like, what's going on? What you know, is we going got on? Ambush. What's the deal with all these but, nanobots? Why put oh, the nanobots in, the in the building? You know what I back. need to know? On one of these monitor screens, why is like the thing eating a cup? 
Armand. Dude, that, that one. <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was a group for a of the thing, but I like that Hank Pym's playing with an uh, action figure. <laughs> of really the super like. adaptoid. <laughs> but uh, who? It, it wouldn't be a Thunderbolt book without who? Who are we missing, Kevin? Who's on our last page? Uh, good old Baron Zemo. Apparently, he's convinced someone or someone's that uh, it's time to save the world again. Oh no, Zemo again! Always with the world. What he's done is convince Gyrick and Carol Danvers to solicit Hank Pym, Ant-Man, to create these nano-bots that are uh, surveillance units and putting them into the new Avengers headquarters and being able to report back, you know, like, like bugs, what uh, what's, go- what's going on inside. And then we also see on the screens that they've got the Baxter building bugged as well. Yeah, well, I, I assume this has to do with uh, enacting the Guardian Protocols. What was the Protocols in the Avengers Thunderbolts miniseries? Uh, There's always a protocol. There's yes, got to be a there protocol is. for protocols. Well, Zemo definitely has a protocol for that. I'm surprised he didn't. It wasn't going to have an X or something on it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> With issue 15, though, I think you need to explain this cover because I was like, "What exactly is?" I, I guess Speed Demon's running too fast, so he's on fire. He's El Fuego, burning up the burning up the sky. Well, that's the whole point. Remember, he's all super juiced up now, so he's going to be. On fire, because he's hot, 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 hot. And uh, Nighthawk's on the cover. Yeah, that I like. I like Nighthawk. Always have. Yeah. Well, I always get worked up. People say Moon Knight's the Batman ripoff, and I say no. Nighthawk's the Batman ripoff. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> get your Batman ripoffs correct. Dang it. Well, didn't Batman rip off Moon Knight anyways? Um, I think Batman was probably before Moon Knight, but I'm no. His story. <laughs> Copy the Black Panther. Uh, <laughs> issues 15 and 16 are both drawn by guest penciler Rick Leonardi and inked by Cam Smith. Yeah, it's different, but uh, I enjoyed it. It took me a while to like it. Some of the pages I thought looked rushed and sloppy, and some of them were good. I think it was mostly like the faces. Like I remember Andrew talking about Abe before. Wow, he looks really old. Like something sometimes about Abe and like characters like that. You're just like, wow, what's going on there? But yeah, I am just not sure that Cam Smith is the right inker for Leonardi. I like Smith on Gary Frank. I've I've liked him on other pencilers, but uh, you know, look at the think of the difference between someone like a Terry Austin inking Leonardi or some of these other guys, even Bob Wycheck inking Leonardi. Uh, compared to these, uh, or Dan Green inking Leonardi, I, w- I would have preferred to have seen that. And our coloring seems to have uh, changed a bit too. It gives it, I would say, almost it feels kind of like a, like an indie comics vibe in a way with the coloring mixed in, some of the kind of blocky shadows and harsh angles of it. I mean, I think like Kevin, I felt it was a decent flow from our previous team, but it's definitely different. Like No one's going to think, unless you're reading the Marvel Unlimited app, that it's the same team. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, Leonardi's a great storyteller. You're going to get you're going to get good flow. You're going to get good story. No question. But it's not the sort of hyper-detail 
that we've seen on some of the other past artists where there's a lot of, you know, things going on and everything. Here it's like the figure work, the faces, yeah, the it flow. Looks, it looks like a fill-in artist, honestly. And and uh, Rick Leonardi uh, deserves better than that, uh, honestly. I, I did like the way his radioactive man uh, looked. But this has, um, as we, as you may recall, the wizard was stealing money from nebula sources to fund the Thunderbolts. And so that's where the beginning of this happens, and he's reveling in his new power. Kevin's favorite subplot of Photon trying to figure out his cosmic awareness. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're reading this on a monthly basis from a book that you really loved, and you're like, when's he just going to... Why, why? What is he doing? Why is he... Uh, They're vamping to issue 100, of course. I know. I'm like, just stop. Stop already. Like, Thunderbolt's side stories and subplots were usually handled with better tension. There was better attention uh, but... to the tension. <laughs> the problem you know, with this, I... You know, oh, Speed Demon used to be stealing from the bad guys, though, and uh, I don't know if Nighthawk qualifies. Uh, he ain't gonna miss it. He's got plenty of money. He's got Bruce Wayne money. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. I, I think part of the problem with this cosmic stuff is it's really hard. Like, you have to walk this line where you give enough information that we're with you, but not too much information. I find when they over-explain some of this stuff, it loses its power. Like, some of the majesty should be in the image and the concepts that you, as the reader, build in your head. When they try and spell it all out, it can sometimes be not as majestic as you would make it in your mind. That's why, Steve, you're the cosmic guy. How was was this uh, photon... uh, Viewing all time at once business working for you? Uh, not working well for me. It's I. <laughs> I like cosmic. Where's the cosmic? Um, this is this is more about interdimensional stuff, and uh, really just sort of having Genus Vel be a part of the team, but not be a part of the team, and to have him have this disability. To kind of keep him out of the narrative until they need him for issue 100. And in the meantime, he, it's getting very confusing with all the Squadron Sinister stuff uh, that that's coming up here. You know, Steve, if this was a TV series and you didn't want to spend the money on the special effects, you would totally have him go, Oh, I can't access the wavelength. I can't make my powers. And then you would save money. But it's, it's funny about gemstones and stuff like that keep on showing up again. And I didn't expect the deep dive to see something, a flashback to the smuggler again. Eric's uh, brother. Oh, the smuggler. What a what a crazy, unless you're Lord Plunder's brother, I don't think you should be called the smuggler. But They were Steve's favorite team, though, the Redeemers. Oh, God. <laughs> but, um, uh, basically, then there's some humorous interlude with uh, Speed Demon and Joystick where he takes her clothes off while they're sparring. And as uh, we intimated, it was um, Nighthawk that the wizard was ripping off. And that's uh, Kyle Richmond. I really think they should have even had the name be more similar, like, you know, Bob (laughs) Lane or something like that. But But I guess that's too much nail on the head. But basically then, um, Mel and Abe 
Or, Maybe it should have been having... Bob Finger or something. Yeah. Oh, oh, that would have been awesome. That would have been really good. Mel and Abe are uh, having a, a lunch in Ireland that looks like he's got his Hawaiian shirt on. And they're trying to have a bit of a reconciliation. And she's like, look, you know, I didn't mean to chase you away so much and come back to the team. He's like, no, no, I got this consulting gig that I'm working on. And we know because we've been seeing what's happening. What, that he's really consulting with the fixer and blizzard. And that's not a legitimate gig. But um, she's got to go pick up the radioactive man from the Chinese embassy because he gets his radiation shunted, which sounds weirder than it is. And um, Nighthawk looks like he's going to take on the Thunderbolts. And then there's a weird non sequitur of Atlas or somebody... Oh, no, that's that's not Atlas. That's got to be Speed Demon, right? Yes. Okay, sorry. I thought it was a different character uh, holding a bag of ice to a sensitive region. I assume Joystick got her revenge is what we're supposed to get from that. Yeah. Right? We think? That was a long way to go for that joke. Uh, and clearly it didn't work on me. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I, I kind of figured out what happened, but... I'm having trouble now that his face isn't all, I should say, now that Photon's face isn't all sparkly and everything, he, he's looking more like North Star. But like a, a more muscular version, I would say. Right? We, we think more muscular? Yes. Yeah. And of course, and then, he's useless again, because he's like, wait, did that happen in the future, that, that we got gassed and we got attacked? Or is that happening right now? Right now. Right now. Yeah, he's being gassed. Um, so that takes out instantly Wizard and North Star slash Photon slash Genius Val all at once. And you're right, Steve. It's fun how Radioactive Man gets like literally deflated <laughs> with inventing <laughs> this creation. Yep. But uh, just as about just as Nighthawk is going to kiss Wizard, he has a joystick throws a baton at him, which he blocks because he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, um, Genus Vell also Photon. I can't call him Photon. Not only does he look like North Star, but he also looks like the old Blizzard costume. You know, it's just a little. And considering he's actually in the series too, it's weird. Yeah, but I always have liked Nighthawk though. I like the design of that costume. It reminds me of Doctor Strange's cool symbol of the yellow against the blue with the red cape that comes up on the sides, you know? It's got that Doctor Strange color scheme vibe. And he's all Batman-y, sure, but he just... He found a home with a bunch of people who didn't belong together in the Defenders. And like the Vision and Scarlet Witch did for the Avengers, he and Valkyrie sort of became like this little core of, like, you know, the, the Defenders stopped being just whoever was hanging around with Doctor Strange and, and became whoever was hanging around with Nighthawk and Val. And I thought that was a real fun era of the Defenders from about, uh, I want to say, about 40-something to 100. I really like mm. those issues. I always think of the 70s when I see Nighthawk. It's like no one tried to modernize him or anything. It's like he still looks exactly the same. <laughs> I love that they had a three and uh, three quarter inch uh, Marvel Universe figure of him a few years ago too. Yeah, that's kind of weird, say, isn't it? Like what? I that was have, no tie-in. 
I don't have a lot of three and three quarters, but I do have Nighthawk. Yeah, see? Um, and it's pretty well. They put the little hooks on his cape. Yep. Which was always fun. Like, that was a nice touch. They do it here, but they don't color them. But there's a few panels where you can see the little hooks on it. It just It's like a great comic book design. Like, again, something you never want to see in a movie. Like, no one would wear a cape that's, like, 90 feet long or whatever. But it looks so great in a comic book. I mean, a lot of people ask, like, what well, what is it about the Defenders? Like, why would you like such a book? And it's like, what, what was you know what carries you through to want to read it month to month kind of a thing? And it's, it was Nighthawk, Nighthawk and Val. I don't know. I always really liked. Uh, I thought that Doctor Strange made a good anchor for the team in the beginning. Oh, definitely. Like it was such a such a difficult. Like they all kind of hated each other and everything. <laughs> I would say that was more felt more like Marvel's Doom Patrol than the X Men ever did. Yeah. Despite the superficial wheelchair comparison, I thought that was more like the the one, the kind of the misfits of the Marvel U sort and of I, pushed together. I like the gargoyle too when he came in, Isaac, who was kind of like the uh, who sort of portrayed the way the Dragon Man is portrayed now, where he's like a very refined, uh, you know, smart, well-read guy with a good vocabulary in this gargoyly body. You think Dragon Man ever hangs out with Awesome Andy? Because he was sort of getting more refined during uh, Slot's She-Hulk book, so, you know, I don't know. Could be. But, um, and I also yeah. wondered then, this was another weird thing when you were reading these books, when they brought up Conrad, I'm like, I wonder if uh, Barney Barton ever hung out with uh, Conrad Jocelyn. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, I started thinking of all these weird, like, <laughs> behind-the-scenes stories that they would never tell. <laughs> Some things should stay on the cutting room floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, Joystick is able to hold off um, Nighthawk for long enough for Melissa and Radioactive Man to get back. And then what's like a really cool panel, I love, like she does the scream and then the next panel has her screaming all angular and like Nighthawk kind of bent over in a perfect way with this grimace. Like that I thought was a really nice panel. Of her, it's because he has enhanced senses, so her scream is really going to affect him. Yep. And it's and at that point, you know, Nighthawk, it's over for Nighthawk. Oh, go ahead, Steve. Just going to point out that it's fun to see the dynamic of Speed Demon and Nighthawk because they originally were teammates as the Flash and Batman analogs. From another world. World, world, world. Well, when some another character shows up, they said, "Oh yeah, he's like a duplicate of a of a character from uh, another dimension." You know, not wanting to say the obvious, not wanting to mention the distinguished competition. But exactly. uh, this is where Nighthawk drops the bomb that the uh, wizard's been stealing from, stole from him, and then obviously Joystick's mad because she didn't get a cut. Melissa's going to be mad because you know that's not how they roll. But it ends with um, the original Superman ripoff before Sentry was around, Hyperion, <laughs> showing up with the new Doctor Spectrum lady. And this That's isn't the same movie. one from um, from Hickman's run. This is the one from uh, the Microverse. Oh, you're confusing me. Too many Hyperions. <laughs> it's just a super. He- Here's the skeleton key to Hyperion. They're all bad until the Hickman one. <laughs> and, and now they've made him bad, so what are you going to do? Uh, 
So you guys didn't get a Franklin Richards, uh, Son of a Genius, in whether or not in the back of this issue, did you? No. No. Oh, that's too bad. We got, um, I, I liked the cover for 16 a lot. Uh, 16, um, for some weird reason, gave me a very strong Steve Ditko feel. Mm. Like the, I like the block too. And the layout and kind of like lots of like, like, look at Hyperion on this looks like how Steve Ditko used to draw like Thunderbolt Ross and the whole. Yes, everybody's <laughs> ugly. The, the, this Dr. Spectrum's got her mask off. She's ugly. Uh, Speed Demon looks ugly. Nighthawk looks ugly. And boy, Hyperion really looks ugly. Um, so I really enjoyed I mean, it's not. Uh, it was more just, I don't know, the flow and the blocking just felt to me Ditko-esque in this. Because it's like a big opening fight with a lot of them. Yeah. And they're kind of in like big jaws and ugly, freaky looking people. Getting well, you know, if we find out, though, that uh, when uh, Genus Bell has been opening up these pockets to other realms and all that stuff, uh, he messed up Hyperion's world. So that's not cool. No. He probably stuck it in the Port Authority toilet if he wasn't careful. Well, when he was shunting Cap and Sentry there? Because he was saying he was shunted him to the microverse. Yeah. Yeah, it would have had to have been, I would think. But also they have, like, weird, like, Dr. Spectrum's kind of shapes are all weird, and they do, like, the star effect for Photon. So, yeah, it's just a fun... But the anatomy is definitely crazy. There's a panel with joystick where her arms look all like Plastic Man or something. Yeah, not just so, one either. It, yeah, like her whole body looks like it's super distorted. Her, her humorous is so long, it's not humorous. Or extremely humorous. But basically, you know, Hyperion and um, Spectrum, you know, because like the distinguished competition, Hyperion feeds on radiation. But, you know... Uh, the Chen is an expert in radiation, so he can match the one to fry him out. But it doesn't really fry him out. I mean, it x-rays him, but he's still fighting. I like doesn't that, though. Like a, 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 no. Yeah. Because that's the problem with these guys, is how do you deal with Hyperion? You know, all the rest of the guys, sure. But, you know, they don't even need to be there. You could just be dealing with Hyperion, and it's enough to handle. And here we see that it, doesn't, it only takes one Thunderbolt to take him out. I, I like that very much. And Hyperion is used to not losing. So he's very confident, and uh, it's nice to see the confident guy shooting his mouth off get taken down. And um, so they retreat. They take the unconscious, or semi-conscious, can't quite tell, but Nighthawk ain't in great shape. And um, Spectrum flies off, and Hyperion grabs him. And something happened to the wizard. I don't know what, but he went through some weird body transformation <laughs> and stretched his body out of all recognizable proportions. And that was really what turns things, is that the Speed Demon chose to become the Wizard again, and he joined forces back with the Squadron Sinister here, and uh, or they're not calling themselves that, and they're taken off. You yeah, notice he, how Hyperion sort of drops that thing about uh, about supreme power? Like, we'll be this planet's supreme power. Yeah. And I'm like, wait. <laughs> uh, that sounds like some other title that Came out a few years previous. Yep. But, um, yeah, so they go back to their base. And, again, it's wizard looking really odd. But they're laying out their battle plan. And telling each other which iteration of each other they are. 
which is the other ridiculous thing about whenever the Squadron Supreme appears <laughs> is that this is so many iterations of them now. It's like, well, I was the one from this one, and I'm the one from this one. You know, Steve, I could read a book about about the stuff, how they're going to do this peacekeeping and, you know, rebuild the world, and but they're going to be controlling. Like, I could read a 60-issue series about that, about these characters. You have several different choices of stories to read about these characters <laughs> doing just that, including a Marvel graphic novel. Yes, or it reminded me of uh, Counter-Earth. Like, what's going on with Jolt and Bucky <laughs> oh, no. and all those guys? Like, it, is she going to show up in issue 100? But, um, Nighthawk just isn't having any. He's like, you guys are all creepy fascist. Because that's how Superman always gets portrayed everywhere else. Our side plot is our three bumbling anti-heroes go to recruit someone who can use one of Kevin's favorite things, the Dark Force dimension. Yes, I thought this was going to be a New Warriors like reference when I read this. And I'm like, oh, that guy... You know when they had that annual in Spider-Man and then it turned up the next issue, it was actually a reference to something way more obvious. Unless this guy was also in that series and I don't remember. Hmm. Well, they could find this guy who's catatonic in the insane institute. Sorry, the Wiley Institute for Debilitative Mental Health. The Bronx. That's a mouthful. And so he's got access to the Dark Force dimension, which means we're going to get the Dark Hold and all those great 90s titles and guys with mullets and trench coats. Really? Yeah, Sounds remember what all that means. But um, <laughs> Spectrum's trying to convince Nighthawk the whole time. I can't get over how the wizard looks in this book. Um, but that's when uh, Hyperion just blows it. He's like, look, they're going to they're gonna betray us anyways. And to dr- drive the metaphor visually home, the wizard changes into Speed Demon. Because, you know, the Speed Demon outfit, is, he's done nothing but good work in that one. <laughs> well, he was trying to keep those th- those things separate. Like, he didn't want to mix up his different clothes. So he takes uh, Spectrum's power ring and shoves it in Superman's face. Oof. Take that. Right in the eye. And just, just... as, um, yeah, Hyperion's given this pretty cool speech. And it's a nice panel with him all in shadow and how they're going to crush him like ants. And boom. Atlas steps on them. <laughs> I thought that was a good panel. Yeah, it's like a Monty Python yeah. animation happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Thunderbolts have shown up. But the bad guys have vanished. But you know we're going to have to do some uh, housekeeping to see which uh, you know teammates you want to keep on this team. Like Joystick was ready to take the money. I'm like, well, that's not good. She's not reformed at all if Speed Demon was just going to give her all that cash, but apparently that's okay. But, yeah, Speed Demon, uh, he's not going to be sticking around. But oh, Nighthawk Melissa gives is. him a hard stare. But Nighthawk is sticking around, which is cool. Well, I, I, it was funny that Melissa's like, yeah, we don't have any money anymore. Uh, hey, Nighthawk, join the team. It doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with your money or headquarters or anything, really. We, we want you here. That's all right. He's got eight <laughs> yeah. headquarters. Yeah. We need a guy who can, you know, punch people in the face. <laughs> We've got uh, a guy that can tell all time at once and a radiation master and a giant. And, but you need a guy that can punch people. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. And fly. Well, if he's, if he's Batman, he's a, like a great detective, so he can always figure out what's going on. So, uh, But meanwhile, we cut to the next ongoing arc, which is uh, they're doing reshoots in the Star Wars series in Tunisia. 
And it turns out that Hydra's involved. Every time I see Tunisia, I think of the Star Wars reshoot. Because they shot all the, all the parts of the movie. Oh, Kevin, you don't know Star Wars. It's a reference that's lost on me. All right. I don't know Never where you're mind. going with this. We're in Tunisia. And it's the sword, the new swordsman, who looks like he's in guardian armor, basically. But I think I've ranted about the swordsman's lousy outlook before. So I do like the boots, but yeah, they could have they could have just judged that up a little. And but I like, he's looking. I like the purple that. armor too. Purple armor's yeah. cool. Purple's a great color. Hawkeye reminds me of Hawkeye. Baron Zemo. Maybe, maybe Hawkeye is Strucker's other son. Hmm. Yeah, because he says something about his father, and I'm like, does that mean? Well, we'll save it for next issue. But epilogue two is the wizard. Although I don't know why he's not wearing a speed demon outfit, and he is in a pocket dimension with Spectrum and Hyperion just hanging out, being all happy. And there's going to be a contest of great importance held soon. James, maybe it's, what if it's a contest of champions? And it's the uh, Grandmaster, Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> that would be exciting. <laughs> and he's going to play a key part of this next one. But it's not going to be in this next issue, I can tell you, or in the issue after that. But I read both of them, and that was the end of us getting any kind of contest of champions vibe. Well, don't they go into like some wellspring nonsense at some point? And I started checking out that point, going, "Yeah, I'm not really that into that into an army of infinite super soldiers to police the world, and it's easy to make superpowers." I'm just like, "Yeah, that's nice." But who is this glowy figure on uh, the cover of 17? I assume it's the uh, moonstones projecting an image of a person. Oh, okay. This is like kind of shoulder paddy armor, though, and a, kind of a skirt. It looks like, yes. uh, you know what it looks like? It's Jack of Hearts. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Humus Sapien. <laughs> oh, no. With the collar and the round helmet, it looks like Jack of Hearts. You know, too, I was just thinking, of course Speed Demon would go running back to Squadron Sinister. I also like that Hyperion sitting on the couch such that he's taking up two spaces, like leaning his leg over to be like, no, there's not room to sit here with me. Well, good thing he doesn't need to go on airplanes or anything. Zemo on the cover of 17, though, he... He almost looks really cool. It would, his, he almost looks complete, and we'll know he's arrived when his gloves get white. I also say uh, he needs a skirt. <laughs> what? How about a half cape? Like a skirt or the half cape or something to. Although I do like the chainmail on swordsman. Glad we're getting back to the chainmail look. But they took off the. Oh no! I guess the points are on his boot. His one. His left leg doesn't have quite the exaggerated point that the right one does. But this one does have a recap page, Kevin, and credits on it. So Why? Marvel they, they really wanted you to know about Enemy of the State? Exactly. Well, yes. I think they took Steve's comments to heart and uh, that he just made it a half hour ago and changed it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe because a character is narrating... Yes. They figure that's part of the story. But apparently when characters are typing up memos to each other, like, no one wrote that, I guess. So you, you wouldn't want to have that in the issue. This isn't a Thunderbolts issue story as much as it is 
a swordsman's story, so it makes sense to give some background on the guy. Well, yeah. it is also a Parcel Zemo story, and it ha- has Thunderbolts universe characters. It's not well, like it's um, Red Hulk showing up or something, <laughs> which would be weird because this is before <laughs> never. <laughs> or Electra or Bullseye. <laughs> exactly, did, Kevin. But well, I think it also ties in because um, Zemo killed his sister, which is how, and he had to turn her into that handle of her of his sword so he could have his mutant power activated. Oh, so who is Swordsman then? It's uh the half of the Strucker babies. Oh, did you figure that out, Andrew? I thought it had already been covered somewhere else. Okay. The problem. Like, I didn't think that this was the reveal of that. I thought they'd told us in one of these other issues, because we, we've seen him for a while now, and I thought it was revealed in one of those other ones when the Purple Man was razzing him. I don't think so, but could be. Was this the reveal? And or did, maybe I just knew. Did we see before. Zemo kill the Strucker, other Strucker twin? Yeah, yeah, yeah ran, ran her from, Oh, okay. She I mean, died he ran on that satellite. Right all right. It was a, it was one of those gruesome panels. I think we lingered on a little bit because he just really just boop. But that was when he was being Citizen V, so I don't think it really counts, right, Kevin? If you're in someone else's body, it doesn't. Uh... Well, according to Baron Zemo, when he was trying to make um, the Strucker twin here into a better a better soldier, a better guy, a better man, I, I you know. However you want to go about it, uh, he says you, ha- you that was you. Stop, uh, you know, coming up with excuses and, and copping out. That was you, which is also something. It's weird that uh, Magneto has said to Cyclops, like, "Hey, you weren't mind controlled by the Phoenix. That was you." But if you ever think about the heroes and everything, they're always like, "I was mind controlled. That obviously wasn't me. I'm not gonna, no." Yeah, that's on why go to jail or whatever. But you know, when it's when it's I don't know, villains and other people like usually go to jail for... I don't know. I guess it depends what, how your philosophy is when you're a hero or a villain or whatever. Or Zemo. Yeah, or... Yeah, cause, <laughs> well, they also say, yeah, it's easy for you to say Zemo when you have the two Moonstone gems and unlimited power. Oh yeah, well I could beat you with one hand tied behind my back. I know, and he's like, see, I'm just going to throw all these gems away and just fight you one-to-one. There, see, I still beat you. And then he's like, oh, those stones are a little far. Wait a minute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe this wasn't the best decision. So that was a very quick recap of this issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Thunderbolts do show up for for a bit, but they also run into this containment pod type of thing where uh, Mr. Strucker's father is actually inside. Who knew that, that the Strucker, though, is in the Enemy of the State story wasn't real the real Strucker? What? Yeah, so I, I kind of wondered if that was the original plan or if that was just like a retcon thing, like, you know, sort of with Thanos. Oh, didn't you see that guy? It was too skinny. That obviously wasn't me. Like, it, 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 Dude, undoing, it sort of smacked of one of those things. Undoing Mark Miller's stories is was uh, had to happen a lot. <laughs> well, it did seem kind of extra. Again, another mind control story. But uh, loop this around. Basically, Swordsman's track has been tracking down. It turns out to be Strucker, and so he finds this uh, containment unit, you know, which has one of Strucker's bodies in it. 
in the interim, our side story, the Eratsa Thunderbolts, Fixer, Mach 4, subdue, and Blizzard subdue the Dark Force character by showing him adult movies to calm him down. <laughs> Fixer's always thinking outside the box uh, with that. So basically, we have the reveal of the swordsman, and just as he and Strucker facing off, Zemo shows up, and as Kevin indicated, they, they're going to have a macho battle, but Zemo has to put away the Moonstones so that it's not fair. And just as um, the swordsman, are we going to keep calling him swordsman? I guess we're, that's his name. Just as he's about to finish off Zemo, Strucker, with a Satan's claw back in hand, stops him and says, uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious what uh, Zemo's got to say. So and it's weird for these two Zemo... teams. But Zemo killed one of his kids. Oh. Yeah, but she yeah, was I don't the think Maggie he, one. I don't think he's winning dad of the year. Well, the funny thing is, he also points out that she was, like, the better one, actually. <laughs> and she <laughs> wouldn't have, like, dealt, put up with what he did. And, and and the plan that Strucker's agreeing to is basically just to be a prop king so that Zemo can take him down and, and look like a hero. Oh, that's that's totally Zemo. Oh, it's totally Zemo, but why, what's in it for Strucker? I don't know. Maybe Strucker thinks he can he'll be able to defeat Zemo eventually, or he'll be like, oh, I can totally back turn to this around. Son. Maybe. Yeah, it seemed like a, a lot of these villain plans don't seem well thought out anyways. Hey, Moonstone's that on the cover us. of issue 99, or issue That's 18. It. Yeah, it kind of yeah, spoils the, the cliffhanger ending of issue 18, though. <laughs> I do like the way that her moonstone energy powers are being depicted, that they almost look like um, smoke rings or something. They look very computerized. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there was any drawing, or or maybe there was just some thin lines there to yeah, suggest no, something. No, no, that's totally... But it does go around her leg, showing depth to it. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And this starts See? off... Here's our here's our uh, penultimate issue to 100. Yeah, I guess you've got to bring back all the Thunderbolts for issue 100, right? I don't know. Well, we'll we'll and Nighthawk. We'll see where we get. <laughs> uh, we got to get through uh, 99 slash 18 first. That right. opens up with a, a training segment up on uh, one of Nighthawk's eight different superhero bases on a bucolic farm setting. Nighthawk with the Buccaneer boots. He's awesome. Love that costume. And at this point, uh, Photon slash Genesis is just falling apart. And he's having, opening all these rifts in the, the different times and dimensions. And Melissa sees one where Zemo and Tony Stark are hanging out. Whoa, that would never happen. <laughs> in front of the seal of the United States. And they're all... So basically, um, Joystick and Radioactive Man knock out Photon. And that kind of shuts down the holes. Is this going to be all Atlas's fault? I thought they were blaming the Purple Man because the Purple Man sort of unhinged his cosmic uh, Janice Bell's cosmic awareness. No, because Melissa sees those events and he says that was that was before Purple Man. You went into a ionic rage there and beat the spit out of him and, until he actually died. Yeah, and threw him in the drink, and it was after that that he came out as this photon cruddy thing. Well, meanwhile, Zemo's been spying on them, 
and he has the Dark Force Dimension character, and it's revealed to be Blackout. Oh, that so, guy from the Siege on, on Adventures Mansion. So that means Blackout that Abe and the, the Fixer were working for Zemo all along. Yeah, yep. that's that's, that's kind of... Well, Zemo's been convincing a lot of people that the world needs some saving. And Mankiller with love... the Bagley haircut. <laughs> oh, that's right. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, well. So we really are getting like our own... Our new do. Our own side uh, Thunderbolts going, but... Yeah, he and Blackout now ends with a question mark. Blackout? <laughs> but the Swordsman is spying on, on this uh, evil Thunderbolts team. But Zemo has the stones so he can teleport. <laughs> he has the stones and the stones. Yep, the stones yes. to use the stones. Yeah, so uh, Photon's all just all coma, catatonic. Maybe he'll he'll go all Adam Warlock again and uh, whip himself up another cocoon. But Melissa makes the mistake of touching him, a Dr. Chen. You can tell he's a doctor now because he puts on his lab coat. <laughs> <laughs> which he only wears when he's being a scientist, explains that he might be able to just wake up when he wants to. But Melissa touches him, and through her gloves, not even skin to skin, she's psychically hit, hit length to him. I think that panel is miscolored. It, it's her... You can see the wrinkles of her skin on the back of her knuckles and her and her thumbnail and her fingernail. That's supposed to be a bare skin there. Um, they, mm. just, they just blew that with the coloring. Pencil you don't think it's doing. lighting? It's Tom Grummet. It's not the lighting? Because in the other panels, her hands look uh, that color, too. Yeah, she can put a glove on or off. It's it's obviously skin-to-skin contact there. And uh, as you hinted at, Steve, he has the Atlas flashback of back when he was Captain marvel looking and going through the cocoon and seeing the end of the universe. And the, here's your cosmic, Steve. Who's, on, who's, on, who's in our comic now? Yep, it was like he was Eternity's toothache for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It's like one of those back molars, like, ah, man. And then he's like, where's the universal dentist in here? Maybe. That's what Adam Warlock is. That's what you need. Ah, uh, there we go. And then my, uh, we have a whole panel of my least favorite modern decompressing technique of the basically stat panels where they can spread out a a, a joke over a whole page instead of just doing it in a half page. Well, at least the characters are moving. It's not entirely static. It was a good time for it to slow down, I I thought. I do know what you mean. It was a waste of real estate, but at the same time, it was funny to see her just turn towards, uh, to see Joystick turn towards Captain Marvel's body there, or Photon's body, and suggest off of him. And Melissa's like, I see him trying to destroy the universe, let's call the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, and they're like, uh, we just beat up the Avengers, and the Fantastic Four doesn't like us. And coincidentally, just randomly, that's when Photon snaps out of his coma, talking about the holes are eating away at him. Mm. And there's a crash. Oh, Hydra's after them. It's a Hydra vehicle, but who's inside? But the swordsman who gave up his helmet, because now we know who he is, so he was only wearing the helmet to hide his ID, and so now we're going to have to look at his mug every time we see him. Good thing he's got his uniform on, because you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between him and Zemo and uh, <laughs> Blizzard, and who's the other one? Uh, the other blonde-haired. 
Oh, I'm sure if Hawkeye was back in the book, absolutely. Steve Rogers. <laughs> Quasar. Uh, Moonstone has shown up. Photons the energy is familiar. And uh, she blows everything all the bits. So she's still and crazy? We Guess we'll know. have to find out next episode. So I deliberated going on to 100, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be in the same position all the Marvel Noise listeners are, wondering what the heck happened to, be, <laughs> to be concluded in the giant-sized Thunderbolts number 100. You won't believe what happens. So I want, I want the listener to know I didn't go. I thought about it. I pulled it up, and I said, no. No, this isn't right. I need to be in that position. Next I need episode. to be like 2000, 2005 Kevin, stuck, waiting for that next issue to come out. <sighs> On the next Marvel Noise. <laughs> so you want to know what 2005, 2006 Kevin thought? He's, of course. He's I, feel, I, I feel connected to him right now. I'm in that position, waiting for the next issue to come out. Well, you know, he wasn't too happy with some of those issues last time, like that House of M issue. So, uh, entirely agree with him, but he was going, like, some of his stuff, like, it's close enough. He's a But he was reading it month to month, so I can feel, like, the rage building up within him as uh-huh. he's... See? It's that millennial <laughs> rage. He's... But anyways, issue 13. He gave it an 8. Whoa. It was a good That's issue. high. It was a good yeah. fight issue. Same thing with the the next uh, Avengers fight issue with 14. Yeah, that was a good two-parter. The art was good. It was fun. Uh, 15, 7.6. <laughs> What's the difference between a 7.5 and a 7.6? <laughs> he, he had minuscule like ratings where he could just say, oh, yeah, something was a little, you know. One minute that on the stop That character didn't eat that one thing. <laughs> Uh, issue 16, it was 7.1. Whoa. Oh. Sliding. Oh. Well, he did not like the art on that. Yeah, Rick Leonardi stepped in and he finished the issue like 10 minutes faster than usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, that probably explains 17 because he's back up to a 7.9 because he's like, oh, yeah, Zemo, explanation, continuity. But still and Leonardi. Then when he... <laughs> And then he gets to 18, and he's down to a 6.6. Whoa. I'm, I'm with Kevin. I thought 18 was kind of a massive uh, issue. But reading these, reading these all together, I'm like, this is pretty decent. I think I enjoyed this block more than the last block. Obviously, he's been I reading think. month to month, like, different experience. I enjoyed these, I think, more than I, I thought I was going to. Yeah, these were solid. Nothing fantastic, but nothing lousy. And certainly are focusing on some of the characters that we see stick around after this. I thought it was, I thought it was all right. I'm, I'm, it's a, obviously they were all trying to set things up for whatever's going to happen in this issue 100, and that's the whole reason I wanted to reread these things because issue 100 was the first issue of Thunderbolts I read since the change was happening before 75, and now I know how we got there. But now I forget what happens when we're there. <laughs> yeah I just remember Tom Grummet art can't go wrong what you think yeah I, I've, I've enjoyed it I I thought it was like I said I, I mean it's the issue before a big issue but I was really let down by 18 in the sense of like I thought they'd been doing a good job about keeping stuff kind of giving you a good 
story amount per issue. That was the only one where I felt really like fillery. But I, I'm definitely curious. I definitely want to read 100. And I enjoyed a lot of the moves going then. It just feels like, I don't know, like we're still kind of not quite back to the height of Thunderbolt. It's not bad, but it's not where it was when it was firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that's what I said last time. We never quite get to that height again. No, but like later on in the series, but I mean, of course, like right now, we're It's about we're to change dramatically again, though, and never go back. So this was the last time that they, you know, until now with this all new, all different thing that's happening in 2016, this was kind of the last time they assembled the old crew and tried to do them, do them right. But the 2016 crew is missing Songbird, and that's one of the Big time. one of those critical characters that I really love throughout the Thunderbolts run. Yep, the, the yin and the yang of Songbird and Moonstone was some of the characterization dynamic that I most enjoyed. I mean, we saw Moonstone's back. We saw her in the issue. Yep. Oh yeah, sort of. But I was going to say, Andrew, it's funny. Uh, how often you back up uh, 2006 or 2005, Kevin? Like, you you always have his back. Well, you know, I decided, I, I wasn't going to take a month between issues, because otherwise we'd never get the Thunderbolts <laughs> podcast back then. But I do feel like I, I had to be there with him in that moment waiting. What's going to happen? What, what is going to happen in 100? But I guess that leaves us a good place. We are going to continue this segment. How much past 100? I, I don't know. I'm... I'm game to go on, but I, it may, it may, the segment may fade away. Who knows? But uh, until then, hopefully, we're Marvel Noises most wanted. The Thunderbolts, justice like lightning. Thanks to Super Steve and Kevin again, and thank you. Isn't that weird? That that Miss America thing. Like I just found out that Joe Casey is. Well, and um, well, who was the artist? Like they're creating uh, a Miss America like character, like virtually the same character for Image now. Oh, really? Weird. Yeah, yeah. It's they were saying something like, "Oh, it's like taking Howard the Duck and going to another company, or or taking you know whatever the." Yeah, didn't they do that with Destroyer Duck? Yeah, it's weird. Yikes. Oh, I read, um, while I was convalescing, I read the Alias series, which I'd never read before. Oh, wow. It was good. I liked it. So how does it compare to the Netflix series now? Um, I like them both. I mean, they're different, but, you know, it would be pretty tough to do the exact same, you know, unless you found an actress that, like, memorized the comic to get all the... You know, I was thinking about that, like an actress or actor is going to portray, you know, they have different facial expressions and they look different and they do different yeah. line readings and you're going to get out of the comics. So, plus the comics very well rooted in the, the larger comic book universe where Jessica Jones, the Marvel Netflix, it's sort of rooted in kind of this half-ass superhero world that doesn't have a lot of superheroes. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, different that way. Yeah, Maddie Franklin isn't going to show up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, also just the whole, like, the hidden powers and so Like, there it's still kind of a big deal that there's super-powered people. We're in, obviously, in the Marvel Universe, that's kind of an established fact for so long. Yeah. It's not that much of a 
people have superpowers? <laughs> the the first page know. is the same, though. Well, I mean, they don't, and they lift some of the dialogue here and there, but <laughs> yeah. I think they're both fun. But I would say they're enough different that it makes it worth experiencing both of them. It's not yeah, more definitely. of a. I think they've gotten better. They've gotten away from those sort of a direct adaptations. I think in general, which is smart because no one wants to, you know, who wants the exact same story. It's probably not going to come off as well. Although that doesn't stop DC animated movies from trying. Or, you know, in Japan, they, it's usually, like, panel for panel. Or they just cut out stuff, but it's still pretty much panel for panel. How did you tolerate the depiction of the Purple Man? Because I know he gave you um, the skis yes. when, uh, you know, he was doing his thing in Thunderbolts and stuff. Um, this That was, in, in many ways, I thought, kind of the first really awfully blatant, sinister... I mean, I, I, he was really warping her soul, man. Yeah, it felt like that's just how the purple man is now, I guess. I, I wasn't too enamored, but I was used to it. Having watched the show and having just read those Thunderbolts, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's going to be a creepy, perverted dude. And it's a Marvel uh, Max yeah. thing, so they were trying to max it up, and I think it's just one of those things that then carried back over to how they portray him elsewhere since. And I did yeah. like the, but I, I, they, they make him kind of legitimately crazy now, which was an interesting... Like, the idea that he never can really have, like, a normal relationship with anybody because of the literalism, mm, and he can't yeah. trust people. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I guess that would make you kind of crazy. Because in Thunderbolts, he kept talking about narrators and all this weird business. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess that's a way to go, make him nutty. Yeah, I, nutty I think the, the TV series went farther with the Purple Man than the actual comic did. Really? I don't know. I'm on the fence. It seemed like in the comic book he would just he went through a lot more people. Like the numbers seemed pretty high. Like he was always just she says she just grabbed a random college kid like every night or whatever and it's like wow, that's probably he's probably raped, you know, a thousand people or whatever. Like that seems pretty rough. I couldn't get past when I was reading it monthly back when it was huh? coming out that it was supposed to be Jessica Drew. Like it took, oh, oh yeah. Like it took a long time before she became her own character to me, and and it wasn't <laughs> until close to the end of the series, and it wasn't until the Purple Man tore her apart and and she kind of pulled herself back together in some ways that she kind of became her own person. But I, until then, I just kept reading it as this is supposed to be Jessica Drew, and it was weird. Oh, I didn't see it. I guess because the TV show, it isn't Jessica Drew, though. Yeah, now I didn't yeah. feel that. Didn't feel that <laughs> way at all. I don't know. I just remember her from her Spider Woman series, and I don't know. It didn't seem like her character at all. But it was the beginning. To be. But then again, that that that's old Spider Woman series was not Max in any sense. Of no. I mean, I really, I have, and I have a soft kind of mental spot for it. Yeah. You know, revisit those someday. So, I mean, maybe they're terrible, but I remember really liking that old series from back in the day. So I like the end but with of this... it when it was like Brian Postman was doing the art and she had kind of a surrounding cast of a bunch of different, and a little rogues gallery going for herself between like the Gypsy Moth and a bunch of other different characters. It was cool. I think they were Iron Man villain, but I always imagine the Brothers Grimm were her bad guys. Yeah, yeah. But I know they tangled with Iron Man too, but... She I don't know who had it first. She crossed uh, the werewolf by night 
as well towards the end of the end of a run. Yeah, yeah. I like that stuff. Yeah. That's Cosmic Spider-Man stuff, Brothers Grimm. Hmm. That's where mine. And, uh, you know. and they didn't have a few photo covers too, and all kinds of goofiness. <laughs> the, the the final issue did. I mean, now that's no bit. You know, they have so many variants. They're gonna do that. But... <laughs> How about that new Warriors photo cover? Whew. I right. thought I was gonna go for the Spider-Man one, but no. Or the Marvel Team Up one. I don't think I know that one. No, Cap and Spidey. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember what it looks like. And then they had all the outtakes in the comic too. You could see all the different, like the making of pictures and stuff. Kind of funny. Yeah, I think that was the first one, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Well, I think uh, Kirby started using those photo collages. <laughs> I mean, not for covers, but well, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I was gonna say that's all Kirby's fault. He, it was well, the next that, logical progression. There's that colon Daredevil cover too. That's obviously a photo stat of a of a photograph of, of the city that's behind them you know what I mean that's an old one too uh, but I mean you're doing a setting up a whole photo shoot for, yeah. for a photo cover that that was in the in the early 80s there when in the uh, I'm, age of I'm, the assistant editors <laughs> I'm still baffled about that old fanzine where John Byrne was saying you know Gene Colan he couldn't draw and all this stuff and I was like what? took me a long time to love Colan really? it, it helped that Gerber was writing Daredevil during the time that I was digging colon on Daredevil there with Black Widow and stuff. See, I just remember the colon Daredevil from what is it, 3, 360 or something? Oh, yeah, that's a lot looser. Yeah. Alright, Kevin and I are back here to look at this Three Marvel Now previews that was distributed this past week here in July of 2016, and it hints at the post-Marvel Civil War II Marvel Universe with a bunch of number one books and continuing titles. And we'll make our uh, uneducated uh, snap judgments without any context. I, if you thought all new, all different was different, this is an interesting bunch of books, Kevin. I'll say. But I, my inner, like, early comics fan type of thing is, is happy because, as I always say, I wanted my Spider-Man, but I wanted my, like, Darkhawk in the other hand, so you still get some basic heroes that uh, are the mainstays, but then you get a lot of different or fringe stuff. No, that should be exciting. But I have to ask you first. Do you think I'll convince or I'll ask Andrew to like buy every number one again and then we'll have like weeks and weeks and weeks of content where we'll just be covering like hundreds of number ones? He's got to have a comic store first, right? <laughs> There's got to be a comic store in L.A., isn't there? Yeah, but it depends if he wants to go there because maybe there's areas of the city he doesn't want to go to. Well, the this next version of the Marvel Universe is going back four years, and it's going to be the Marvel Now again with the exclamation mark. Marvel Now! But now it's like a shattering now. Yeah. Which I well, know. I like the previous Marvel Now, so... I did too. And some have called even the all-new, all-different books that have come out of the Secret Wars event 
have called this a reboot uh, and even begged other uh, fans to just admit that this is a reboot. I, you know, all new, all different is... it To me, it's almost like Marvel has adopted this season model now. And the reason I bring it up is that this previews opens up with a short note from Axel Alonso, the editor-in-chief, where he even says this is what the next season of Marvel is. And I feel like they're they're kind of going with that TV model, and I know we've discussed it before when talking about other books as well, that they're kind of going with this is the new flavor for this year or year and a half's worth of books. We're kind of going to focus on these characters, or we're going to have this be the driving force over all of the books for this next time period. You know, it's weird when you say a season model, like TV does a certain amount of episodes and they take time off and they come back for another season. Like comics does every month. Like there's no like break. I guess a title could break. But as you you see with what titles are continuing, like it's not like going a certain amount of whatever. Like it's just going like, some titles are continuing. Like there is no like the seasons don't have a specific length, or you don't even know what. Like in TV, you generally know. Oh, it's like twelve episodes or twenty-two episodes or whatever. They have to fill a quota. Like there is nothing. You hear that you for like these titles, so that's why it's like you can say season, but it doesn't really. But they use that. That's I guess that's the that's the closest thing you can compare it to. But they use events like a big event to be like the status quo changing end of the season, that then launches into the next season. And it's to me there are things that I don't like about it. But what I do like about it is it's not a hard reboot. It's it's the way it's a soft reboot where it continues on in continuity with the characters. But they just are kind of now we're going through, you know, this uh, wave of of stories that kind of focus around, again, some other different driving force or some atmosphere changing elements in the Marvel Universe. I, I feel like, too, that they're kind of trying to do what they've done in the movies, whether it was by accident. Well, we know it was because they had no other choice, which was to not have movies of their most popular characters that they had farmed out to other movie studios, but start looking at some of the B-level characters and other C-level characters and build them up. And I feel like Marvel as a line has always had, like, the core titles, and then a certain number of titles that they leave open to have for, like, the B and the C-level characters even, and some experimental titles and stuff. But I feel like with the all-new, all-different, that the pendulum's kind of swung too far in that direction, and the whole line is like fringe books and C-level character books. Yeah, but if you're only going by this magazine, like, this isn't the complete lineup. Like, everything isn't in here. (laughs) I'm going with what's happening right now, though, in in all-new, all-different. Yeah. You know, we've seen, we're seeing, like, it was always a trope to have each of the big heroes replaced at one time or another, right? And they almost rotated doing it. You'd take them off the table, switch someone else's wearing the suit, inside the armor, carrying the shield, whatever. A new mix-up of the Fantastic Four, it's the three plus one other guy. Uh, 
but now they've got them all replaced at the same time. It's just so weird that they've gone that far in that direction. Like I said, the pendulum, I think, has swung too far, where it was a, a certain amount of books they allowed to be doing that, and then still having those core, more straightforward books. And now they almost don't have any of those. I'm not saying there's not good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff there. But it's just very interesting what they're doing line-wide, and then to use that to launch into this free previews that just came out, it seems like they're just continuing on with that. Yeah, I'm just, ultimately, I'm, like, after the good books. And I find sometimes when people are like, oh, reboot, and they, like, use it too liberally, it's like, oh, they, like, mean it for, like, renumbering or whatever, but, you know, you're keeping your continuity and all that, so totally fine with when they start refreshing the lineup and everything. Like, they've been doing it for years, so it's it is just funny when people call attention to it now, and I'm like, no, they've been sort of, like, stealth doing it, but not really calling attention to it as much. And you, like, it's just the way things things are going, I guess. And I would rather, like, see, like, Iron Fist or whatever, like, get an 18-issue run or however long it is, and then, like, wait another year and then get another run rather than waiting 10 years and you never see the character again. Like, if you can just cycle in, like, all these crazy characters and have some imaginative stuff, like, that's way better than having, like, 10 Avengers books. Because I remember we had a lot of Avengers books a few years ago, and I was like, it was just too many Avengers. I'm like, I need more, like, Moon Knight or whatever. But now there's, some would say, no Avengers books. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, anyway. Speaking I'm of totally Avengers, fine with that, though. <laughs> speaking of Avengers, that's the first title that they have in this Marvel Now mini previews that just came out here. Avengers 1.1? Mark Wade and Barry Kitson? Is this just going to be a one-shot, you think, of a point one that harkens back to between issues 1 and 2 of the old 60s title and maybe introduces some element that then will have something to do in the current books or something? That's probably a good guess because uh, Mike Slott had his Amazing Spider-Man 1.1 when he launched his thing, and that introduced, like, a new character, and it was sort of, like, you know, in between. Like, it wasn't exactly, like, Untold Tales of Spider-Man, but it was still... Was that the Silk introduction? No, that was the Clash introduction. Okay, all right. So he sort of, like, it was in between the raindrops, but it was a little... A little harder to fit it in, but you could. I think you could still like, unless you were like hardcore about it. But I, I thought I still fit in pretty well. And of course, you have the time things where, like, everyone's not necessarily going to have like '60s fashions or '60s equipment. Like some of that stuff is updated, even if it's still taking place back in the time. And and there's no solic- solicitation blurbs here at all of any kind. We've just have creative. Partial creative teams, title names, and potential first issue covers. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of good to lead with Avengers one point one though, because it shows you like the Avengers have been changing and the Marvel universe has been changing since the beginning. Like they're always cycling through different characters or different lineups. Yeah, here's a different lineup for you. Another Mark Wade written book, this time with art by Umberto Ramos who was Wade's co-conspirator over at the Distinguished Competition on the Impulse book years and years ago. 
It's the champions number one. That's right, the return of the champions. Were you as... I wonder if the first question you asked was, Marvel had the rights to the champions back? (laughs) Because I remember that uh, the Order series was originally supposed to be the champions. Right. Yeah, And then that's... uh, that didn't go off. <laughs> this Champions is a crazy roll call, though. It's teen Cyclops, time-displaced Cyclops, who left the all-new X-Men, the new Ms. Marvel, the totally awesome Cho Hulk, Miles Morales Spider-Man, Nova, and the Vision's teenage daughter. Crazy. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, just kind of happy that some of these characters are still around. Especially, like, in the case of Viv, I was just like, cool. Like, she's going to exist longer than that series. I also wonder what this means for all different, all new Avengers then. Because this is taking part of that lineup. Unless the Avengers 1.1 is supposed to... Unless something, there's yeah, going to be something tied in with that. No, I think they, they quit. And so Miles and Nova and... Ms. Marvel, they already have a pretty good friendship going. They've been appearing in each other's books and in the all-new different Avengers, and they're going to leave that team and go form their own. But you're going to have an old man Avengers then? I don't know what we'll have. (laughs) Well, Cap's not old anymore, so, yeah. Maybe we'll have Occupy Avengers. David Walker writing with Gabriel Walta, the artist, who's the artist on the Vision book. The only character they show that's recognizable on the cover is Hawkeye and it just shows him with a real melting pot of different people looks like a political book to me though I'm already looking to steer clear potentially just because of Civil War it sounds like something I want to steer clear of too so unless I hear good things like it's not an automatic sell for me here's your Avengers number one with art by Mike Del Mundo Hopefully he'll, I mean, hopefully be for a few issues at least, right? The first arc at least. Written by Mark Wade, And we've got The Vision. We've got the Jane Foster Thor. We've got Fal Cap. Uh, Sam Wilson Cap. We've got Wasp. Hercules carrying a big gun. And some type of Black Panther as Iron Man thing going there. Oh, so it's not Ronan? Huh. <laughs> Iron Panther, maybe. Don't you think? How many? How many? Um, possibly. Because Iron Man's gonna, did... Tony Stark's going to be gone after Civil War Two, kind of out of the picture, some right. So, how many issues did Del Mondo do of uh, Electra though? Did he do all eleven or ten? I I hope. Maybe. Hmm. I don't remember. Uncanny Avengers is going to continue on with Jerry Dugan writing, Pepe Larraz on art, and that's still the amalgamation of the X-Men and Avengers characters with the Hydra cap on it, so that's going to be hanging over their head. wonder if Cable will be taking over that band of misfits. It just looks weird without the wings. Like, I'm not embarrassed by the wings. Can we just get the wings back on Cap? When he when it's real Cap, it'll get, he'll take put the wings back on. Oh, that, that would be a funny moment. U.S. Avengers, number one. Like, U.S.A. Avengers. U.S. Agent. 
Where's U.S. Agent? Why isn't he on there? Oh, because they have Miss America as the Captain America knockoff, so to speak. And Red Hulk with the mustache. His mustache doesn't disappear anymore. Squirrel Girl. Sunspot and Cannonball. So this is going to be the AIM book that spins out of New Avengers. And then we've got a couple other characters that I don't necessarily recognize. Is that Pod, maybe? Yeah, it's Pod. And some sort of... And the other one is... um, Yeah, from... um, Is it New Avengers? What's the previous incarnation of this book? That character's in that book. Okay, Young Avengers or New New Avengers? Uh, Written by Al Ewing and art by Paco Medina. I know uh, Dan the Leaf Insect Man was, was... putting this out there to me. He's like, hey, this is USA Avengers. And I'm like, I didn't know you'd be that interested in that. It's fun to see Sunspot and Cannonball together. Yeah, I always have a soft spot for that. Then what has been a real good book already, best Fantastic Four book out there right now, The Ultimates gets Ultimate Squared. You know, I think I made a mistake not following this book because you know how sometimes I talk about high concepts and everything. Yes. And how I sometimes I just love to, like some crazy out there sci-fi and then I see it says like stuff like who changed the cosmos or Galactus. I'm like, maybe I made a mistake not reading that book. Yeah, this was good. Written by the first art, uh, volume was written by Al Ewing and so was this one. The first time Ark had art by Kenneth Rockefort and this time it's going to be Travel Foreman. Then there's the Great Lakes Avengers. Written by Zach Gorman <laughs> with art by Will Robson. I, I was one of the few people that bought that uh, miniseries in, in the 2000s where they had Squirrel Girl in the book and, you know, they were doing typical Great Lakes type of stuff and dying and meeting up in their small town and, you know. Boy. Mike Allred cover, though. Yeah. Looks I like, might be interested. I might be in the mood for some comedy. The Squadron Supreme has a cover by Alex Garner that is intriguing because it's Namor's trident and his braceleted arm breaking out of the ocean floor. For Squadron Supreme number 13, written by James Robinson still and Leonard Kirk. If you remember, they killed off Namor early on in the series. And this has the clever tag of finding Namor. Mm. Thunderbolts is going to continue. I don't know what that on. reference would be. Steve. Yeah, Thunderbolts is continuing on. Jim Zub and uh, John Malin. I'm wondering how many issues John Malin can do in a row now. You're hoping not so many, right? <laughs> I don't want to be mean, Steve, but yes, it just. Like, at some point, I'm going to just be... Imp- Even if I don't really enjoy his artwork, I'm just going to be impressed that he can put out a lot of issues in a row. But it, it looks interesting, nonetheless, with uh, Songbird at least showing up for one issue here um, to deal with, I assume, the aftermath of some stuff in uh, Civil War. And maybe stuff in the, its own book. I don't know. It's not exactly clear. Then an Iron Man title, new title called... I am woman. Dope. With the new Riki character putting on some armor and doing her best Misty Knight hairdo impression. Yeah, I thought she was going to be War Machine. I just kind of figured, so. And then she's Iron Man. I'm like, oh, okay. 
Then the infamous Iron Man number one is carrying on in the tradition of like superior Spider Man and having Doom as Iron Man, written by Bendis with art by Maleev. Boy, th- those Iron Man books went uh, went quickly, like seven issues or something. This is the one I, th- where you get like all fanboyish. Uh, where I would be like, I hope Doctor Doom's not calling himself Iron Man. Like I can kind of see it. They're both Iron Men. They've teamed up before and all that, and you know where Doom is now after his Secret Wars. But I would want Doom to have like a little bit of the ego or something, so that he would still call himself Doom, like not take over Tony's name or something. I'll That's... call myself Doombot. Iron Doom. Doom 2099. Like, Doom remembers being Doom, bad Doom, right? I assume so. Alright. I don't see why not. Okay, so yeah. Do you remember the old What If from the first volume of What Ifs, where it was What If Doom became a hero, and he had, like, golden armor instead of the silver armor? He (laughs) He still had the, like green tunic over it but it was golden armor and the faceplate was more like a knight's faceplate that uh, had a grill that came down and lifted up for, like over the eyepieces almost like Thor's helmet now does with the kind of with the eyepieces sticking out of the bottom of the helmet that's how Dooms was and obviously he eventually it went bad just like everything did for those what if stories because those were the oversized issues where they could really tell a real Yarn, that was a good one. <laughs> that was the traumatic what if sto- uh, series where it was like the most brutal Twilight Zoneist thing you can imagine. Yep, he tries to save his mother and it goes real bad. Captain Marvel gets a new number one, written by Margaret Stoll with art by Raymond Rosanos, and a nice Dave Johnson cover. See, I thought this would still have the same creative team after Civil War Two was over, but I guess not. Hawkeye, another number one. Is this going to be Hawkeye with the barbecues and the dog and the... No! Written by Kelly Thompson with art by Leonardo Romero. It is going to be Kate's book, it looks like. Yeah, I think I'm I'm probably going to have to. Like, if I was going to place bets on what kind of book I was going to add, I I would put bets on this one. Because I didn't follow the... Was it the all-new Hawkeye? Okay. But I followed all the previous Hawkeye stuff, and Kate as Hawkeye has just been, like, super entertaining. Like, I know some people weren't into that, but when she went up against Madame Mask and all that stuff, I was just... It was riveting. That was cool. Yeah. So, I'll probably give this a go. Nick Spencer stays on Captain America, Sam Wilson, with art by Daniel Acuna. Love that art! And the Steve Rogers book continues as well with art by uh, Jesus Siaz, or Jesus Siaz. The whole Hydra sleeper agent bit going on. This is, again, one of my favorite sleeper books of the last few iterations of Marvel, and even going into Secret Wars, is Dan Slott and Mike Allred's Silver Surfer. Thank you, Mike Allred, for sticking on this book as long as you have. <laughs> You're definitely more of a fan this book than I am. I don't know. I guess it's just not entirely my thing. Like, I'll read it on Marvel Unlimited, but I don't know. Something about it. I just I just don't groove on it. Black Panther number seven 
has Tanishi Coates writing and Chris Sprouse art. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's got Black Panther and Storm and Luke Cage and Misty Knight all hanging out together on the cover by Margaret they also Savage. Say, they also say the crew, and I'm like, oh, now you're just teasing me with Black Panther history there. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like uh, all all stars for the our team for Black Panther. Brian Bendis starts writing a new Jessica Jones title with art by Michael Gatos. The Alias team reunites. Under- so I guess I could- do I gotta buy this, Steve? I guess I gotta. The David Mack cover. Uh, like it, it, it feels like one of those. Like I love the original series, and I remember just picking it up, sort of like on a whim, and then going back issue hunting and and buying the first issue and saying, "Oh, I, well, I'm just gonna read this. Hopefully, it'll be it'll be good because I didn't pre-order." So, and then I I pretty much just jumped in when I when I could. This cover image so, by David Mack is this does is this what the girl on TV looks like? Because this isn't what Jessica Jones ever looked like in the comics. They going for more of the TV look or what? I don't know because those some of those Mack covers were really weird back in the day too, though. And it, like the I know they had some people on the covers that didn't look like the characters inside. So I don't know. I, I'm thinking, can you go back home like for this? Like he's but he's written Jessica Jones in other places, so like I just want to. Wonder what kind of what, what kind of cases you're gonna get. Like I have to imagine it. It's not gonna be the same thing, anyways. Like it, whether it's influenced by the show or where she is in the Marvel universe, like it's gonna be different type of stuff. The Unstoppable Wasp number one by Jeremy Whitley and art by Elsa Charit here. Again, looking at really propping up those secondary characters. Really enjoyed the the new Wasp in uh, All New, All Different Avengers. So I think that's a selling point for me because I really don't know much about this creative team. So that's one of those things where you're just like, should I take the jump? I like how she's standing on the, the pages of, looks like old comics with uh, Ant-Man, Wasp, Battle the Creature from Cosmos. <laughs> Aaron and Bacello continue on for another volume of Doctor Strange. Looks like is they're on Doctor Strange twelve here. You notice the difference with this, though, Steve. They already solicited number twelve in the previews we did last time, and the cover was different. And like they said, oh, Doctor Strange has to like not relearn, but sort of rediscover himself after the events of uh, the last days of magic. And like it didn't look like this, so. Uh, I guess they're lining with when the movie's coming out, or you know, they need it an extra month or whatever. I noticed that Marvel will will do that sometimes now too. If like if they want um, like a longer run by an artist or something, like it always seemed like sometimes they were interchangeable, but now it's like oh yeah, you can take a month off or whatever. The cover is by Kevin Nolan. Could be a variant too, but it shows Mordo and Dormammu and Nightmare. And, or, well, I was going to ask you, who's the guy, with the, the guy with the creepy, like, Gollum characters? He's Master Pandemonium. He's the mystic who, his hands were the souls of Scarlet Witch's kids and everything. Uh, 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 why would you have to? At least she has her kids again. <laughs> I didn't realize who that was, who that was but that makes sense now. <laughs> 
it looks like it's should be someone from Hellboy. Yeah, it really does. And Santana. But you know, Doctor Strange and Hellboy, not probably not that far from each other. Like, they should team up. Then also Satana's big on the cover, too. Although I like to call her Santana. <laughs> Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme is a new title that springs up alongside the Doctor's regular book, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Javier Rodriguez. Is is this the one I requested last month, or last segment, where I said I wanted all those sorcerers in a book? But I'm not entirely sure if they are in this book, because I don't know if they're on this cover. But I, you could easily slip them in here, like all those new guys. Jason Aaron and Russell Dotterman continue on with the mighty Thor, the adventures of the Jane Foster Thor, and looks like we've got, what are we calling him now, the Odin son here on the cover, and it looks like now when he gets a haircut, he's like using maybe a number three razor on the back there. <laughs> he's got short hair. And this well, he thought it was time for a change. He'll try some different looks out. This looks incredible. They're hyping an Asgard Shi'ar war. Is there anyone the Shi'ar won't fight? They're warriors. I love the Dave Cockrum bug Shi'ar ships, though. Oh, yeah. Props to Dowderman for keeping the design of the Cockrum look. One of the best-looking books by far. The Unworthy Thor. Looks like we're getting stories of the Odin Son here, also written by Aaron, with art by Olivier Coppel, who's drawn Thor before. And it shows the Odin Son reaching for a... Is it supposed to be a battle axe, or is it supposed to be Stormbringer, maybe? Uh, no, it's it's at the Bill? end of Secret Wars. Like, the ultimate Thor hammer came down. Oh. Because it's so definitely that... got the enchantment on it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if he can... Well, remember he had that other weird Thor hammer during the Hickman run? Like, he couldn't use the regular one, but another Thor's hammer he could use? Hmm. But uh, how can I fault that creative team? I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna have to add another Thor book? Hard decisions coming up. I really like Kate Leth as a writer, but I can't continue on reading Patsy Walker Hellcat as much as I like Patsy Walker as a character. And even though they're promoting Black Cat being involved in her book, but I can't handle the awful proportions, unflattering proportions of the art. Sorry. Wah, wah. Read, read How to Draw Car- Comics the Marvel Way, and then come, <laughs> and then come talk to me. Well, if you liked every book in in here, Steve, there'd be something wrong, because there's got to be something for other people. I know, but I like Kate Leth, and I like Hellcat. Yeah. I also like Black Widow, and Mark Wade and Chris Somney are continuing on their run. Still awesome. Cool cover so I'll that, still be reading. Cool cover that suggests the Black Widow insignia, the, the red Black Widow sign, oh. with a whole bunch of doors being opened to make the cut-ins to make the symbol it reminds me of the opening sequence to like get smart or something like i can imagine all those doors opening in different directions as she slowly walked through to reveal whatever the big secrets are going to be no i need to see that moon knight number 10 written by jeff lemire art by greg smallwood nothing can like we conchu can we derail this to uh talk about issue four you probably haven't read it though Go for it. 
<laughs> I love Moon Knight. No, it's just Skeleton Birdman. He shows up in the in the bathroom on a urinal, basically. It's white, and we still don't know what's going on in that book, but it's highly entertaining. And that Greg Smallwood art, incredible. You think we'll know by issue ten? I think so. I think so. Well, we'll know something. Who knows if if it's going to be like an evolving type of thing. Ryan North and Erica Henderson's Squirrel Girl continues on. Looks like a Superman type of thing. Yep. Homage. Becky Cloonan and Steve Dillon's Punisher continues on. Charles Soule and Ron Garney's Daredevil continues. That's been really good, too. Even better than the first arc, I think. So you had Spider-Man showing up. You had Daredevil. Even though it's like gone sort of like darker... He does smile occasionally, too, so that's always good. I don't want him to be, like, just super grim. And I know they were having that Civil War two Kingpin one-shot or miniseries, and maybe out of that is springing a Kingpin series written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Ben Torres. Hopefully it'll do better than the previous Kingpin series. It's like they're making... Daredevil not be Frank Millery, but then they're pulling all of the Frank Miller elements out and giving them their own books. Bullseye number gets a number one with Ed Brisson writing and Guillermo Santa providing the art and a Bill Sienkiewicz cover. How do you figure this is going to be like a, a maybe like a Punisher type of I don't type know. of book? Like I don't I don't know what. I have no unless idea. it's only going to be for a very limited run. Like I don't know what you would do exactly with a. Bullseye. Same thing with a Carnage book. Well, looks how long it's lasted already. Yeah, but I guess Carnage and Venom have always been type of popular. But Carnage, you have facing off against other villains or other heroes. Power Man, Iron Fist, with David Walker and Sanford Green as the creators, continue its run. But But you know what really shocked me? That we're getting more uh, Kari Andrews Iron Fist. Doesn't have time to draw it also because he's doing his indie stuff, but he's writing Iron Fists. Yeah. With art by Afu Chan. I assume because of the Netflix. So, like, when out, like, two Iron Fist books, I sort of. Like, when else are you going to get something like that? The totally, I'm going to have to do it, though. The Totally Awesome Hulk 15, written by Greg Pak, seems to be uniting, like, all of the partially Asian characters here or something, and Ms. Marvel? Hey, she's not Asian. (laughs) Yeah. Unbelievable Gwenpool continues. Uncanny Inhumans with Charles Soule and Kev Walker. What's with that hair? She's getting her hair cut. It's like Samson being de-haired. It's Medusa getting her hair cut. Not a good look. Yeah, let's... Mosaic number one, written by Jeffrey Thorne and art by Carrie Randolph. Uh, what Another interesting. Oh, boo! <laughs> no, I read his first appearance in uh, in Humans. You can sort of um, take over someone's body, hmm. but he's supposed to be not the most uh, likable guy either. All right, Ms. Marvel continues on. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur continue on. These are the Inhumans family of books here. But now we also get The Death of X, which is going to be a mini-series, or, I'm sorry, this is Marvel, a limited series that is going (laughs) to 
be written by Jeff Lemire and Charles Soleil, the uh, get an X writer and a Inhumans writer, and Aaron Cooter doing his first Marvel work, at least for a regular title. And they are going to show what happened between the X-Men and the Inhumans after Secret Wars and before all of these all-new different titles. Well, I'm happy, so I'll never have to hear on the podcast again. I'm so distanced from Marvel. I don't know what happened during that eight months. Like, did they reboot or did something happen? Like, what What happened? How come Cyclops... Yeah, that's that's the story they're going to tell in the future. And now they're telling it. Yeah, I don't like that they had the delay though like that that's the closest they've come to a reboot by doing that 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 was a cheat for sure but i don't care because i'm getting cage number one from jendy tatarovsky oh man i thought this was long lost you remember when they originally announced no, it's tartakovsky i threw the r in the wrong place <laughs> yeah I, I was so psyched for that because i'm like oh the guy from samurai jack is gonna be doing cage and everything and then like nothing well, the, and funny enough, like the series should be maybe airing at that time or close to airing. It's just kind of funny that all his stuff is going to be coming out at the same time. They want to get these on, things on the shelves. Yeah. Well, they recently with the all new, all different Marvel, it seems like they gave just about every Guardian in the galaxy their own solo title, except Gamora. So she gets hers here. Gamora number one, written by Nicole Perlman, art by Marco Cicchetto. I believe this was already like announced, like what, quite a while ago too, but it finally got here. Another Star-Lord book, written by Chip Zarsky. New Rocket Raccoon book, written by Matthew Rosenberg. A Thanos book. Hey. Okay, Steve, this is the one I was more most interested. I'm like, I was gonna try to blow right past or it. Or with Thanos? I was gonna try to blow right past it, dude. Because <laughs> I look at the I look at the creators. I'm like, that's good creators. It's Thanos. Who's the creators? Jeff Lemire and uh, Mike Dodato. It's good. Uh, is he going after the Phoenix Force or something? Is that why we see little phoenixes in his eye eyeballs? I think so, but I remember some past conversation where you weren't down with them using the Phoenix Forest in some stories. We'll see. I will reserve judgment. All right. I do very much like Jim Chung, Spider-Man. And he's going to be doing a book with Dan Slott writing called The Clone Conspiracy. Yeah, I, I wish I could get more uh, more of that artwork. Not that I don't enjoy the regular artwork, but whenever we get, it's like ah. Oh. And this is the continues the tradition of slot taking something where I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea, but then he usually turns it around, so then I have nothing to worry about. So it's another one of those where I'm like, I don't know where, but stuff is leading up to it and happening in the book now, where you can obviously tell it's leading up to this. Now, Spidey 2099 and Spider-Woman and Spider-Gwen so, and Silk are all continuing on in the Spider-Man universe. <laughs> but they get added to the mix a new Prowler book. Always I always love, love the, Prowler. the Prowler. Me too. I love Hobie uh, Brown. Love the design. Love that face mask. Love the purple and the green. You know, sometimes, Steve, we just find a character and we're just like, we both like, I love that character. Yeah. That's just awesome. 
and I think what do you, what did he have like a mini series in the early '90s, and that's about it. Yeah, I you know I liked when he would like step in for Spidey and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cool. So I I'm thinking that this could be one too that like just because of the character is just totally selling. Like I would wanna wanna read that. And I didn't lump the Miles Morales Spider-Man book in with the others that are continuing on because I wanted to stop because the cover image shows uh, him doing the famous upside-down kiss type thing, but with Spider-Gwen. Interesting, interesting. What's Ms. Marvel? I thought him and Ms. Marvel were developing a thing. Uh, hey, that do it's a, I think it's just one of those teenager type of things where they were like hanging out a lot, but I don't know if. Come on, guys don't hang out with girls unless. <laughs> but I wasn't even reading his book, so how can I? Like, I'm only getting half of the equation. Carnage book is was doing so well. You're right. Why not do Venom too? Venom gets a new number one, and he's not in outer space. It doesn't look like. So the space night thing wasn't uh, working out for him. Or is this Flash Thompson at all? I have no clue. Looks pretty primeval, though. Looks pretty primitive. I, I remember that tongue. I remember Eric Larson drawing that, and I was I was all over that. I'm like, I used to draw that, too, and all the the venom coming off of the tongue and everything. I was just like, yeah, that's awesome. The Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows universe from Secret Wars... Alterniverse continues on with Jerry Conway writing and Ryan Stegman providing art. Yeah, what is this? Like, is this going back to that world, or... Looks like it. Or is this because of the clone conspiracy? Deadpool continues on with Jerry Dugan writing and Cullen Bunn writing the Mercs for Money. And you will be there. I know you will. I will. I really like Dugan stuff. And then the Mercs for Money book has like domino and machine man and hit monkey i'll be reading that what i won't be reading is no just kidding uh the next book is slapstick number one riley brown and fred van lenti i was thinking i might have to i feel like obligated to like read slapstick now hmm. not so much because of the character but whenever i saw fred van lenti's name attached to something a valiant i was just like automatic pull like every one of the books are good and like taskmaster and all the other stuff i'm like why don't i just buy every book he writes because when's the last time i've been disappointed by a book he's written i don't i don't remember the last time so i'm like why don't they just auto add everything he writes was it doug munch and paul gulacy that did solo created the solo character and maybe did him in marvel comics presents or is that a different character altogether Oh. Solo gets his own number one. He's no, it's not Dominic Fortune. It's Solo. It's not Punisher. It's Solo. It's that's because he's in the Deadpool Mercs for Money. Uh, Jerry Dugan's writing with Jeffrey Thorne and Paco Diaz providing the art. Solid creative team. Yeah, and I think he was all right. In uh, he was sort of like one of those characters, like Prowler and Rocket Racer, and all these guys that sort of ran around with Spider Man. On team-ups. That's how I remember them anyways. <laughs> but wait, those two books? Slapstick, Solo, and a Fool Killer book? Written by Max Bemis with art by Dalibor Talajic? Crazy. Yeah. And the crazy's a tongue-in-cheek. But you know, perhaps the most exciting thing 
or maybe just for me, is the last page where it just says coming soon. Yeah, and you get Nova helmet. The Rich Rider Nova helmet. Yeah! Because I, I never bought that whole thing. And then Bendis went back to it, and he didn't do anything with it. And I'm like, come on! Like, I, I just need them out there in outer space, like running the Nova Corps or something. And then what I have is the last page in the Comixology free version of this previews catalog that came out is a hype page for the Guardians of the Galaxy, the epic final arc called Grounded, written by That's the back cover. So that, and you just having mentioned the whole thing of Bendis going to explain what happened to Richard Ryder or Nova and being unsatisfied with that or ignoring it, if you will. I see this Guardians of the Galaxy grounded epic final arc. Is this going to be the end of Bendis on the Guardians of the Galaxy? Because he had the weirdest run, I gotta say. Like, the Guardians <laughs> were coming with nothing but a huge cachet coming off the mo- with the movie coming out a few summers ago. And then they tie it to Bendis, one of their big creators and everything. And, I don't know, I think he really piddled away the opportunity and really missed the opportunity to, to make a solid book. The book did nothing but it was just one upheaval after another they threw the Angela curveball and then that just came and went and then it was like the Iron Man curveball that came and went and then event event and it just seemed like there was no identity to the book or no ongoing plot it just seemed like it just had to get to the X-Men crossover and that was kind of like the only story I really remember from the whole run and then all of a sudden after that he's breaking them up all again it seems like he constantly had to be reshuffling them and changing them rather than being able to just tell a darn story with them. And I still can't deal with the fact that Peter Quill is blonde-haired now and not uh, <laughs> doesn't have brown hair. I was agreeing everything with you, Steve, until you brought up the blonde hair. I'm like, well, he can change his hair if he wants. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what happened to that book. It was... Then Venom showed up, and then Iron Man was there, and the weird. Sp- and I'm just like, if you, ah, if that's gonna even be if the it was story, just like the movie it. cast doing movie like adventures, but it wasn't even that. The the Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy book and and Infinite Comics have been just as, if not more, entertaining because they've been at least straightforward stories. I mean, again, yeah. the X Men arc had its interesting angles to it and I enjoyed the dynamic between Peter Quill and Kitty and all that but it's just I mean I can't believe it's been a few years of this and there's been no identity to this book and no solid footing and they've just constantly seemed like they've had to change them up and pull them apart is it because they don't know how to tell a story with them all together what's the deal I wish I knew because I don't know so I'm looking forward to the epic final arc and seeing what else they can do with these characters. Yeah, so my, so then I have to ask you, Steve, uh, who do you think should take over in time for Guardians of the Galaxy 2? For a creative team? For a writer? Yeah, or artist, them? or whoever. Uh, gee, Abnett and Lanning are, are still hanging around, aren't they? They are, but they don't seem to write together anymore. I'll take Abnett. Would they go back and do that, though? Now the book's popular. Would you go yeah, back to it I, now that you could make some money off the thing that you made? 
Well, he was doing the whole like, Guardians Infinity, and that's what I mean. He could do. Yeah. he could do this right. Throw Vance Astro so. back on there, and you got yourself a. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't say I wouldn't try it out if if they went back to, uh, you know. He's like the last writer to write Rocket good. Yeah, he has a lot of pluses. Because I don't, I don't know. I don't think you're going to get anyone like Starlin or anything to write Guardians. No, no, no. So, uh, unless you get some like new and upcoming, but I wouldn't know who to who to suggest. You know, on the next Marvel Noise, I'm going to be able to talk about the cosmic books right now as they are because I am catching up on all of these the the, the Drax solo title and the Star Lord title and the Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of Affinity and Nova and Venom Space Knight. And I'll have my thoughts on those for you, Kevin, and the listeners next oh, episode. I, I, I better read some of those then. Unless what just, else do we have coming um, up? Unless you want to just be talked at. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to do more Thunderbolts, and we got to hit the hit the next round of Cage stuff sometime in the next month before I hit all my vacations. But are we doing uh, Marvel previews every month now? Like two in a row? I don't know. Feels like old times. I at least like to do the collected editions. <laughs> yeah, we didn't cover those here because they weren't in it. But no, this was yeah. not a real, real uh, solicits yet. But you know, uh, you know what I forgot to mention when we talked about the collected editions last time. No more soft cover Marvel Masterworks. I'm noticing they were doing that every month. They were putting out a new soft cover Masterworks, and the clever thing was they were doing it in order of the release of the original Masterworks. So you could kind of predict what was coming next and stuff, and I was buying quite a few that way, but I guess now the epic collections and the complete collections reign supreme. Yeah, I haven't noticed one in a while. Like, I'm going to say it's been... Like, I don't think it was recently that they sort of stopped. Yeah, it's been it's been several months now, and they were yeah. doing it every month. I would see what the new hardcover masterworks was, and what the new softcover masterworks was. But now it's not there, and uh, obviously they're really pushing that epic collections line, and rightly so. It's a great initiative. Yeah, and the Marvel masterworks hardcovers are I know way more expensive, but oh, yeah. like that's like continuing in their like the, sometimes they reprint those when like the moment comes up, so. If, like, you miss that. But, yeah, the same material is coming out in Epics, so, you know. I love myself some Epics. Oh, man, I'm, like, I'm getting all into that now. I'm, like, even dumping back issues. I'm, like, yeah, I just really want the Epics. <laughs> I even got rid of um, that Captain America Wade hardcover, like, Man Without a Country. Because the one they did for the epic, they didn't skip issues, and they started throwing in all this extra stuff, like the preview ash can and all this weirdo stuff from that era. So I'm just like, that is the complete package. Hmm. Until Cosmo comes back to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh wait, that's not a good. <laughs> no, we want, we want to that to happen. <laughs> what about that new Quasar though? Where's that gonna take place in? Where are they going to show up? And for that matter, where's Citizen V? Was that just a placeholder? Was that Thunderbolts? Is that what that meant? Oh, in the the teaser image? Yeah, but that was a previous teaser. I feel like yeah. it, 
like it's showing up in some title, and I like missed it, and no one told me. Hmm. Oh, I know what I was going to say when you're talking about the consecutive issues in the epic collections and preferring that. I just got the Avengers by John Byrne omnibus, thinking, oh, cool, it's going to have the early stuff from before issue 200, and then it's going to have the West Coast Avengers stuff and some of the spot issues he did and you know maybe some of the stuff that he wrote for the regular Avengers title, which was just after issue 300, if I'm not mistaken, with Paul Ryan doing the art. And it's yeah. the weirdest collection. They don't do they don't do any of the pre issue two hundred stuff, and they just launch into the West Coast Avengers. They don't end when Byrne leaves the book because if you don't if you remember he leaves with two issues left on the storyline with the Scarlet Witch going bad with a mortis. Yeah, and Roy Thomas had to come in and pick up the pieces and get no information as to where Byrne was going with the story and just write it. Write, write it, write them out of the situation from scratch. And but there was a fill-in issue or two before we got back to that Scarlet Witch storyline, and they even include those weird fill-in issues. I think I can guess why, because I did two West Coast Avenger omnibuses, and they probably didn't want to do a third for whatever reason. Oh, I see. So you this is kind of that omnibus, huh? Because then with the, they did with the Avengers storyline, too. They do what, when Byrne wrote it, and Paul Ryan did some of the art and stuff. But they go on way after Byrne's off the book writing. And the art team is different, and the storyline is even different. But they keep going for a bunch of issues. And it's like other people writing. It's like, what the? It's not, <laughs> it's not as much Byrne as you would think in this omnibus. Yeah. Weird. Until Marvel makes a burn omnibus with no burn in it. <laughs> Make my Marvel. Sometimes we live broken, taken away, but our own. Sometimes we visit your country and live in your home. Songs that we hear are just songs of our own.